Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We'll take your calls about anything. That is the point of the program. Otherwise, we'll talk about things that uh, you might be interested in, including a little story from today, which I'll share with you here in a moment. Mark, you've got an email that you wanted to share. Do you have that pulled up? I do. Um, I, I, I do. had a chat with the uh, the city manager today. Oh, yes, I, I saw some of your, your Facebook updates. Yeah, it was about uh, employee stealing, because as I've told you before, I had my phone stolen by an EMS worker here in town. And so I was just wondering, you know, what's the city's policy about employees who get caught red-handed stealing things? I'll tell you about what his answer was here in a little bit, but you've got the email? Yeah, yeah I'm ready Let's to Let's start with that. This is from R. Um, you know, the guy sent me quite a few emails in the past, and um, n- none of them quite as upset as this one. So I'm not, I'm not looking to to cause any problems with them or anything. But I think that it uh, it, it it can show how somebody can get sort of uh, uh, have a blind spot about issues that are important to them. Um, he's, he's, you have to consider he's being somewhat sarcastic here. He says, Mark, don't worry. We're not going to get a single-payer system anyway, so there's no need for a heartless piece of criminal business crap, and he doesn't use crap, like you and your robotic buddy there to get your free market panties <laughs> in an uproar. What? So, so basically he's saying no. there's no big deal about what the federal government's proposing? Okay, I have a comment right away. Uh, you, your panties don't get in an uproar; they get in a wad. Okay. <laughs> so I take issue with that part of the statement. Yeah. Uh, I, I, apparently, I'm heartless too because I don't want uh, people to be stolen from in order to fund a big, uh, you know, bureaucratic medical system that the government puts together that will decide who lives, who dies, how one eats, and uh, likely uh, throw us in. It, you know, I I know people don't want it. It sounds hyperbolic. I believe it'll throw us into the next dark age. It, I mean, um, medicine is is a large portion of the economy. I think I've heard one twelfth or one seventh, some some large um, portion. Mm-hmm. And the United States funds most of the R and D in the world because most of the systems of the, the you know the, the more wealthy countries, more industrial countries, are socialistic, so they don't have this R and D uh, incentive. I think the United States goes uh, single payer that it would throw the, uh, the the world quite possibly into a a new dark age, or at least it it will hobble the uh, research and development but in the Mark, area. Seems- I was going to say the progress will be seriously impeded at the very yeah. least. That's the bare minimum. But you know, but um, and and we won't know how what the cost is because we won't know what we're not discovering from. Right. The, the loss of the free market, the, what little bit of free market is left in that. It'll industry. be the seen and the unseen uh, because you'll be able to see the, you know, the people that'll go and some people will get treated and it'll be okay for them. Uh, but what you won't be seeing is what you're saying, the, you know, the opportunity costs. What are we missing out on? What kind of advancements would have happened in a marketplace where there's, you know, more ability to compete and innovate and things like that? One has to ask that question even now. Right, exactly, because right now the uh, the government controls most of the dollars spent in the healthcare industry, Near, so it's half, mostly, if, if not a little more than half. It's a mostly socialized system right now. So what I'm arguing for is not the current system. I would point no. out that what we need is a true free market in healthcare. But this is the that's the assumption. Is the assumption is is that we either need the status quo or we need whatever it is that Barack Obama can get through, yeah. and if you don't want it, you hate sick people. 
that and that's it? what's that's what's. I mean, he's calling me a piece of s and you a robot because we disagree with him. I mean, this is what's yeah. going on on the other side. That's really it. Well, you know, when you uh, that's all you have is to uh, insult the other person, then you've got nothing. Yeah, it goes on a little more. Don't worry, free market business. Filth in the insurance companies <laughs> will still get to ration health care and see to it that the rest of us are left to beg in the street from soulless business vampires like you. Oh, so you're saying that under the, the single-payer wow. system that uh, it won't be government pieces of filth in the government that will still get to, that will then get to ration health care no, and see to angels. it that the rest of you have, are left to beg in the street like soulless government vampires that they are? I mean, what? What? If you want to talk about vampires, uh, there, the notion that the government is non-profit and non-biased is, I don't know how that gets perpetuated, but, uh, uh, you know, a business might be kind of greedy and such, but if you look at how politicians operate and the way their lobbying works, you can buy, like, huge amounts of government money with lobbying dollars, and it's a, and it's a wonderful ratio. So you can, like, yeah. milk, you know, tax money. You could be a private entity making deals with politicians it to lo- you know the lobbying money for them yeah. is a fraction of what you're getting back in terms of favorable sure. regulations That's why they do it. If it or subsidies or you know farm subsidies or whatever it is it's it's a fraction talk about vampirism yeah and he, he again labels uh, the system as free market. He labels the insurance company executives right. as free market. The system that we have today was created by government intervention anyway. Yes, the system we have is broken. I agree. Right. And there's always going to be, um, when if, if there's insurance companies, there's always going to be somebody unhappy with their service. And w- believe me, is all you have to do is look at other systems around the world, and there are people unhappy with that service too. So it's it's not like the, the, the dying people on the street are getting treated poorly by the insurance companies here and they'd be treated so much better by the government. I beg to differ. I think that it would be worse. Um, you know, it may be that people more people would be covered, evil. but they would everybody would be covered in in a less uh, you know in a worse fashion. The mentality here is businessmen are evil, government men are good. That's the mentality, right? I mean, it, the the idea is that our guys are in government. I presume that he's in favor of uh, what Obama. I don't know what he's in favor of at this point. His I mean, guys I are have in not, government. No, I've never heard this kind of side from this gentleman. They're they're good guys, and so therefore, the gentleman. And uh, so government is good, business is evil, end of story. I mean, how do you convince somebody like this that the system that they're talking about is not going to be better than what we have today well what i what i hear and uh, he hasn't said it um let me finish uh, finish up i'll tell you what i what i hear in this the weak should die right they're not fit to live in this free market snake pit that the money grubbing (laughs) drones like you have created right i didn't create anything um that's what the free market darwinian argument for humanity right more struggle more fight as though we're still in the jungle well when those weak (laughs) people get sick of kicks in the faces delivered by stronger free market guys like you i'm kicking somebody in the face now um don't come crying about all the injustice of it all wow yeah i mean what i, I hear from this is that somebody's frustrated with not having medical care i have no health care right now right. i don't want who Obama in this care. room has health care but administered by a uh, insurance company not me why dad uh, i actually tried to get it once they wouldn't let me because i took acid <laughs> That's very interesting. Um, so, like once, not one of us here is actually covered. We 
are part of the, 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 the unwashed masses that they are using to try to shove this through. I yeah. don't have health care. My wife doesn't have health care. Um, we have some for my son. D- Dale, you don't. I, I Basically because I don't want to allocate funds in that direction right now. That, uh, you know, so I it's can't afford of- it. I don't. I think that the way healthcare is structured today, you know, like we said, the system is broken, and it's it's not. It all, is broken. It's not all government. Some of it is just the notions of how people have gotten healthcare into their head. They they want healthcare to be uh, give the, cover their checkups and every little but thing. They, it wouldn't be that being, way if it wasn't for government and being pro- in there in the first place. That's probably true. I don't know the intricacies of it, but but I think that the the system is broken, and part of why I don't have it is because there isn't really a good plan. The, and that it's I think it's exorbitant and it doesn't um, it do, it's not a justifiable cost because there's risk involved. I mean, essentially, you're going to get the health care you need. It's, you might just be in debt, you know, to pay it off or right. something. But unfortunately, the system—that's what insurance protects you from—is that potential debt. You know? it, the, the the system is set up at this point currently where you can kind of tootle along without insurance, and you're still going to have catastrophic catastrophic coverage because the hospital is going to give that to you because uh, they're basically required to do so. I don't know what it would look like in a free market. I because we don't I, have it and haven't had it for a very long time. Well, I don't think I don't I don't think insurance would play as big a role. Or should play a bigger as big a role as it does now. I think that uh, I agree. I don't I know agree. that it's like the whole notion of insurance. I don't know how it can really be financially viable. I think it would almost make more sense for catastrophic things. Well, for for less than catastrophic things to be out of pocket. I agree. And catastrophic things should be a charitable issue. You know, people donate to things in case something bad happens. Mutual then, aid you know. societies, charities, things like that. People yeah. taking care of other people. And if people aren't relying on insurance to buy their health care, if they actually have to buy it out of pocket, they're going to shop around, and shopping around will make people more competitive on price. And, of course, if it was a true free market, we'd have more innovation, more competition, and that would bring prices down. We'll come back. We can talk more about this. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building, perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system, over 490,000 posts, lots to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance for achieving liberty in your lifetime Head on up to freestateproject.org and learn about the amazing movement of thousands of liberty-minded people all converging together into the same geographic location, and that would be New Hampshire. You can move anywhere to New Hampshire that you choose, but the idea is to get together with other liberty-oriented people and to get active for freedom, and it's working so far. We've only had a few hundred people that have made the move so far uh, here to New Hampshire over the past few years. The mover rate is increasing 
more people are getting interested in coming up here because the more people move, the more activism happens. The more activism happens, the better publicized the uh, the whole concept becomes. The more activism, the more publicity, the more people will find out, the more people will move, and it'll build on itself. And then hopefully we'll, uh, we'll achieve a voluntary society within our lifetimes. At the very least, we should hopefully be able to uh, slash the government down uh, much smaller than it, than it currently is. So come on over to freestateproject.org, learn more, get involved, and join us up here in New Hampshire at Free State Project. Now, let's go to Bob in Ohio. Uh, We're talking about health care. Bob is on and listening to WCER in Canton. Bob, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Phyllis. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, a number of issues you have to look at. Uh, My understanding is the, and I believe that, we have a problem with the insurance uh, cartel. And when I say the cartel, that's the largest single money industry in the world. Uh, We have the problem that the, the... uh, insurance lobbyists were the ones helping put together that bill, and they were crying the blues because they wanted $4,000 fines instead of $2,000 fines for people that aren't covered. So the insurance companies are not really our friends. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone said they were on, on this show. Yeah. Uh, on another thing, you know, how come is it uh, that uh, uh, under one program I can get an MRI for $800? But if I'm not covered by that problem, they want to charge me $1,800. I think it's absolutely wrong uh, the way that so that's, the that's, um, the medical industry seems to think that it that the cash customers are the place to go to get uh, to get money. And I think that that needs to be disincentivized. But unfortunately, the government has allowed a system, has encouraged, fostered a system that uh, is in fact opposite of that. Well, what happened? The government didn't didn't ride roughshod on both the, the medical corporations, which are supposed to be non-profits, so to speak, but they're the only ones building uh, those, the banks and, and other people. Uh, so those are the only people that are leasing property and buying property and, and uh, the World Banks, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you've got I'm not sure what you're getting at. I, I don't know what that means. Well, what I'm saying is they're, they're pulling apart the everyday American. And, and, and Who is the, they? They are the, the corporate entities like the pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies, okay, uh, even health and human service people, the people who are practicing eugenics and want to flu shot everybody and, and kill them. And you uh, acknowledge, I hope, that, that they are doing so much of this through the government because absolutely. of the monopoly and, power of government. And, and the government okay. was supposed to over, oversee that to uh, and, and break up the cartels that they didn't start running this country. In other words, the corporate world for greed. Do you really believe that's true, Bob, well, that, that the government really had that intention? How come, how come, let me ask you this, uh, Bush administration, we lost over five and a half million uh, manufacturing jobs. Uh, since Jimmy, uh, uh, since Slick Willie, we've lost about 65 uh, million jobs that were sent by the corporate world overseas to China, down to Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, they're going to find us after they take away all our jobs and any job opportunity. Then they're going to put us under the big iron grit and big brother 
we don't have any jobs. They want to go ahead and fine us if we don't have enough money to get insurance ourselves. Well, you're covering a lot of ground here uh, tonight, Bob, and I, some, well, of it I, some of it I'm in agreement with you on, and others, uh, it's you're a little off uh, from what I can tell. I generally agree, you know, the idea that the uh, the healthcare system is totally whacked out. Uh, the government is not going to solve the problem. The government created the problem in the first place, which, of course, is a typical situation where the government creates a problem and then proposes that another government program is the solution to the problem. We all know that's not the case. At the same time, uh, these corporations that you're talking about, and a lot of these corporations are tied in with the state, and I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, these uh, regulatory structures that you said were intended to bust up cartels are actually captured by those very cartels you're talking about. And uh, some would point out, and I think they'd be right, that the these businesses, these corporations that you're referring to, have essentially captured the the uh, the regulatory agencies from the very beginning. It's not like they were started with some sort of good intentions. They're started with the intention of protecting the existing companies. And well, so what you have is these uh, these insurers. In the case of healthcare, you've got these insurers that love the ideas of regulations. They love regulations because regulations keeps new competition from coming up. People in the, the healthcare industry are using the government to protect themselves from competition, but what's going to happen in the long run is the same organization, the government, that has been so wonderful in protecting them for so long will eventually cannibalize them after they, uh, you know, they pass this new program that will make it so the government maybe will be competing in the insurance industry effectively over time, putting the existing insurance companies out of business and turning it into a completely government-controlled situation. So are these other corporations sending uh, jobs out of the country? Yeah, that's true. Sure, manufacturing jobs have left the United States. One of the major reasons is because of government regulations of the manufacturing industry. Don't forget immigration laws. Immigration laws preventing people from coming here and making a better life for themselves and, and taking the you know lower-wage positions. The minimum wage law that uh, prevents... Wait which, a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. How can you say immigration department when they want to on the dream act they want to import uh russian jews kenyans and asians and and give give each family two hundred and seventy thousand dollars of america's money when they never even put anything into the social security system i've well, never heard anything how, how of what you're talking you, about how can you say that Congress you need to catch us up on what you just said before you right. go on because well, that, uh, that's news <laughs> yeah but that's that's a fact. So what? Okay, I'm not going to take it as a fact, but okay, well, go on. Well, well now wait, wait. A point of information, about, Bob. Point of information. I think what Bob is referring to here, Bob. Hold on. You, you can get to the next point in a moment, but to, just to address what you're saying, you claim that the government's moving in certain groups of people. There are there are federal government programs that do relocate certain people from other countries to certain locations. It's my understanding that in Portland, Maine, there is a large uh, Somali population that has been moved here by some government program i don't know what the program is but that's you know that's the word on the street uh, but for for most people that try to come here it's a difficult arduous process i mean you make it sound bob like they're just laying out the red carpet for people when for most people from around the world regardless of whether they're christians or jews or whatever uh they come here and it, they try to come here and it takes years and it takes thousands of dollars and it takes uh, a lot of time for them to jump through those hoops if they even make it through the application process so they're not making it easy for people to come here in general do you understand that 30, 30 million 25 to 30 were you just talking the entire time 
No, no. What I'm saying is... I'll tell you what. what I'll bring you back. I'll give you... Because I told you I'll let you uh, con- continue. So hang on, Bob. More with you in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket. Both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the Facebook profile. Head over to facebook.freetalklive.com, and you can become a fan, as it is called. Go to facebook.freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is both fast and easy. I've done it, and I agree. Um, They do all kinds of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. If you don't have a will... You're just leaving your family open to having to deal with the uh, the, the legal system. It'll take years and years to work out the uh, uh, you know where the money goes. You don't want to do this to your family. Go to legalzoom.com and get a will today. It's legalzoom.com. And there's a discount. Is there still a discount code for that? Ten bucks for using ten bucks for using code FTL. Okay, great. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Bob is still on the line with us listening to WCER in Ohio. Bob, you're back on Free Talk Live. We were talking about immigration. You had something you wanted to say. I wanted to make sure you got it out. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the thing about it was, you know, a, a couple along with that, after giving all our jobs away to overseas, you know, and then well, they wanted- All of your jobs have not been given away overseas. As I mentioned, regulations have driven companies out of the United States, but there are plenty of jobs here. Was uh, it regulations or greed? On the part of the corporation. Well, I think that profits motivate... Um, and is the, that plugged into the wall? Did you want that here? question it's, answered? Hang on a moment, yeah, Bob. It's, it's both, actually. The short answer is both, Mark. Right, right. <laughs> profits motivate everyone, including the workers. And when uh, the business atmosphere becomes too d- difficult and arduous, a business is going to move elsewhere. But it's very costly to move operations. They're not doing it frivolously or for no reason at all. There's a great deal of financial gain. Should you create a system... Are the American people responsible for allowing their government to become such a hostile environment for business to be in in the first place? Do you really want to, uh, uh, you know, demonize the businesses when it's the American people, you and me, Bob, who've sat around and let their government get way the hell out of control? No, what it was was Congress let them get the way out of control. How many did you elect, Bob? I mean, did you vote for some of these jerks? No, and they don't listen to us when they They say They sure don't. When they don't, when we say don't go into Iraq and we don't want right. troops in Afghanistan, they don't listen to us because they're bought out by the corporate Wall Street lobbyists. You're right about that. That's led by 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 the big corporations. So, do you agree with me that the uh, the, the the experiment that is the uh, American Republic has failed? Well, yes, because uh, the American people have not sc- stood up and screamed bloody murder at Congress members, and they were given that left-right paradigm of the Democrats and the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Which which sold us out 
all the way down over the last 40 years. Admittedly. So then you take the Immigration Department, and we've got 25 to 30 million uh, undocumented illegal immigrants. And then now that's where got- I'm going to disagree with you, Bob, because you're saying things that I generally agree with about you know the red and blue paradigm and uh, people being misinformed and all of that. But uh, what's wrong with people being here without documentation? I mean, why, why do you, if you are so in disagreement with the federal government, why do you stand with the federal government on the idea that people should have papers, uh, the idea that, uh, that, that somebody should have to bow down before a federal bureaucrat before they can come here and make a better life for themselves? The laws of the nation, we, we have an economy to try and keep a handle on and trying to take care of the people that do have green cards and and were born here generation after generation. But all the things that you just complained about were in line with the laws of the nation. That's the no, that's the thing. I'm it was all saying, done legally. It might it was horribly corrupt. And so that 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 doesn't make any sense. Those people aren't hurting anyone. They're work they're trying to work for a living. They're t- they're competing with the legitimate uh, American workers. Legitimate according to Oh, you don't believe in national sovereignty? No, I don't. You're a globalist. Uh, what, no. the, what the heck is a globalist? <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm an individualist. I believe in individual sovereignty. Well, can I come over to your house and can I eat off your table then? Do you own my house? Hey, do you own this country, or you just want to give it away? I don't Bob, think. Bob, I don't do think you anybody own this country. I don't think I can't anybody tell you do. does. It's I, I, you know, it's easy to point no, out that someone no, owns a house, but you're trying to say that they own the entire area around some imaginary boundary, and they don't. And who is and who is they anyway? I mean, it's the, yeah. The, I don't believe in that collectivist notion that they the country owns the all system. of this. What's they that? did not. They did not pay to play. They didn't pay into the system. Well, I don't pay well, into the system either. Kudos to them. A lot of people ought to be not paying yeah, into the system. Yeah, don't you think that's heroic? Don't the, you think the system that you just complained about for five, ten minutes ranting yep. about how, how awful all the stuff that Congress is doing, and yet you're still paying into the system. And you're complaining that someone else isn't when it's a corrupt system. What I'm saying to you is, don't you believe in sovereign nationally? And, and no, I already said I don't. How can a nation exist, sir? It's just a concept. I, I, well, so I think, you are a globalist. No, sir. You're making you're you're jumping to conclusions. Didn't you hear what Dale said to you before? I believe in individual sovereignty, and I own my that? house, so no, you can't walk into my if house you, without my permission. Let, let me ask you this: If you have ten acres of land that you pay taxes on every year, I, I hope I would prefer not to pay taxes and you on have, it. Actually, no. Wait a minute. You have water rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is it okay? If uh, about five people move on to part of that property and set up tents and live there. It would be if I and gave them permission. I, I believe in reasonable property rights. I think that the um, what what you call America and its claim on all this huge, vast land and anyone who's within it, uh, that is an unreasonable notion of property I think rights. that the question needs to be turned around is, if I want five people to move onto my property, who the hell do you think you are telling me that they no, can't come? Uh, Bob, 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 who the hell are you, Bob? I want I'm those five people you, on my property. Okay who do you think you are? Permission. But you guys are not communicating. They live there without your permission. Uh, yeah, but I, I gave them permission, Bob. You don't want to let them come on their on my property. Bob, I want them to come. I said, I said, I believe in individual sovereignty, not national sovereignty. That's a collectivist notion, and it doesn't make any sense. Individual sovereignty does. But the, well, the land that you've homesteaded that you own, you have a right to say you can or cannot well, come on it. But who is who is who gets to say that someone can't come into the country? They're not invading anyone's property. They're trying to work for a living. I'll answer your question, Bob. Your question was, what did we have the Revolutionary War for? 
That was your question? That was the question. I didn't have the Revolutionary War. I wasn't alive. The people that did have the Revolutionary War, uh, you could ask different people why they were fighting in that. They might come out with, uh, with some different reasons. But I would say that one of the ideas was because uh, they wanted to free themselves from the arbitrary rule of uh, the man called King George in well, that particular case. If you go back to that kind of law, then King George owns the United States because he's the one... I didn't say we're going back to King George's law. Where did you get that idea? I think what, the reason they were able to have that Original revolution was... Owners, we need to turn it over to the Indians and kick the, everybody out. The reason they had the war was because they didn't buy into what they were told was the law at the time. Why can't well, we I have that kind of revelation now? I don't say either, okay? What's yeah, that's about? great. That's okay. That's okay. okay. Because, you know, but, I, but, it, they, but they had this revelation before they had the revolution that the laws that they were being told by the supposed ruler at the time were not valid. And why can't we have that same revelation now? Hey, you know we those set up constitutional laws, and, the, and I didn't. I didn't. You say we don't. Don't include me in that statement. I don't believe. I don't buy into that. That our religion. Fathers that fought and died for this country. I don't. I. I don't believe. I don't believe in this religion that you're evangelizing right now. So don't That's say not a we. Religion, it's a constitutional concept. That's a religion, sir. It's a belief <laughs> no, it's system a that you have. Constitutional concept, sir. Sir, look, Bob. Let me explain something here. When people believe in the Bible, they're believing in words on paper. The Constitution that you're talking about is also words on paper, written by men. Same thing. Words on paper, written by men. Ancestor worship. It. They fought right. and died for us. People believe it without question, and it sounds to me like you haven't questioned it. Now, why is it that you would want to believe in the Constitution? What has it ever done for you? You're not familiar with the lives of our forefathers like George Washington, I'm very familiar Alexander with Hamilton, Alexander yes, Hamilton, we're very familiar John with them. Adams, we're very familiar with Thomas them. Jefferson. You don't even I, know we, what I know you're all talking these terms. Okay. Oh, wow. You don't even know what you're these talking about. These men wanted about. freedom wow. for you, Bob, but you don't want freedom for other people. No, if you don't want freedom for other people, then you can never have it for yourself, Bob. I hope you come to understand that someday. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And when I say freedom for other people, it includes those brown folk from across that imaginary line. It's Free Talk Live. In an ancient time, in a land where the fates of mortals were determined by gods, only one man had the courage to defy them all. Fear nothing, and let's show death and the gods alike that we're the ones to be afraid of. Odysseus, the rebel, coming this October from Big Head Press. Pre-order the graphic novel for only $12.95. Visit ComicShopLocator.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other fine booksellers. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your vote. If you've yet to vote for us in the month of October, we need you to help solidify our lead at the podcastalley.com voting. It's a monthly thing, so you only need to do one vote per month. So if you've yet to vote this month, please take a moment and go to vote.freetalklive.com. It's, it's been a really heavy uh, competition month for us, so we need you at vote.freetalklive.com. Check out the Low Country Liberty Report. This ridleyographer from Savannah, Georgia, focuses on pro-freedom issues from around the country. 
liberty-oriented reports for liberty-minded folks. He does not pretend to be unbiased in reporting and tries to add a little humor to every report. You can find his visit, videos excuse me, at lclreport.com. You can join the LCL group on Facebook or Twitter. Twitter, it's lclreport.com. All right, I want to continue. Uh, well, I want to I want to talk about a kind of a side discussion that is a relation in relation to a video you posted recently, Dale, at your website, anarchyinyourhead.com, called "Rejecting the Religion of Statism." You'd mentioned a few moments ago while we were talking with Bob there that he's a believer in essentially what is amounts to a religion, that the religion of the state. And I want to focus on that in a moment, but let's go to your phone calls first. Andrew is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, you guys were having a conversation uh, last night on the uh, podcast-only um, stream about the liquor commission and whether or not they would go after their own in the state liquor stores. Yeah. yeah, would they would they run because the New Hampshire government actually operates the liquor stores here in New Hampshire? Uh, would they actually sting their own employees? Um, I can unequivocally say that, yes, they would do uh, just that. Uh, I interned my senior year with the New Hampshire Liquor Commission uh, with their Bureau Bureau of Enforcement. Um, those would be the uh, agents that go around uh, making sure that establishments are following all the rules, mm-hmm. uh, arresting uh, clerks, and as well as arresting people who violate liquor laws. So, so they're not as likely to, because what I tend to see is that the state is very effective at protecting its own. So you're saying that uh, the liquor store uh, employees not uh, very important to the the state agents. Um, they are in the in the uh, the concept that the liquor commission doesn't want to embarrass itself. However, they also the agents you know, have to do their job, and they have no problem uh, arresting uh, store clerks. And, you know, um, I guess, you know, if the establishment fails to follow its own rules, then I guess the Liquor Commission has to pay the administrative fine to itself. <laughs> <laughs> so now, But um, I, I know that the liquor investigators also uh, investigate employee theft um, when uh, – Clerks aren't ringing up what they're supposed to be ringing up. I know that they've, they've they've had investigations in the past for that, so that's something they watch out for. But I mean, they they do the compliance checks where they send underage people around to right. stores uh, to see if they will sell to someone, ask for ID, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Anything else you want to share? Um. I kind of wanted to talk about uh, your conversations about the protesting in front of uh, Eli Rivera and the judge's uh, house. This is something that happened over the weekend. It involved about a couple dozen people. Dale, you were out there for it, right? Yeah. For, uh, for both of them? Uh, we had this candlelight vigil because one of the activists here in Keene, uh, again, talking about the Free State Project, uh, hundreds of people have moved here to New Hampshire to get active for freedom. One of them was attacked by the police prosecutor, Eli Rivera, here in Keene recently uh, to, to the point where he was knocked over and knocked over onto his head, injuring him, uh, giving him a concussion, possibly, you know, who knows what kind of injuries he actually has. But he's in a wheelchair right now. And so a, a, a candlelight vigil was formed. It started at a public park and then moved to Eli Rivera's home, and it's been fairly controversial. There's been some uh, some discussion over at the Freekeen forum at freekeen.com where some of the activists up here are not too pleased with the idea that the 
the the activists that did go out to this were actually holding candles outside of somebody's house. They were suggesting that it was intimidation, etc., etc. And it seems to me that candles and some oming is not intimidating, but maybe some pitchforks and some torches and screaming might be intimidating. Quietly holding candles doesn't seem intimidating to me. But your thoughts on that, Andrew? Uh, my thoughts is if you're gonna if you're gonna evolve into a society where you don't use the government uh, the government's force structure uh, to exact whatever change or control that you want, um, protesting in front of public officials or even you know the quote unquote private people's uh, houses um, that that's the only way that you, you know, that's a, the only way to uh, strike at an emotional core with people to get your point across. Because I can get, I can guarantee that Eli Rivera's uh, significant other uh, or, you know, who, the woman who was in his house, mm-hmm. his neighbors, they probably all are kind of questioning, uh, you know, why were these people out front of his house? lighting candles humming so so you don't think andrew that the uh, the pro or the uh, the candlelight vigilists in this particular case should have uh, stayed away and should have gone through the system they should go to the city council meeting and air their grievances and and run for office and try to you know try to get eli rivera removed uh, through the through the system no because that that's not going to happen i mean why it, if it were to happen, uh, the, ta- the the city of Keene would have to make you know the decision to get rid of one of its own employees, who they apparently have no problem leaving in the in the position that he is doing the job that he's doing, um, and police officers in the state of New Hampshire have to be fired for just cause. Um, and Not if, to mention that know, they're uh, that the the people at the courthouse have made it darn difficult to film uh, police officers. You or need even sort of a witness. Over, over, overwhelming corroborating evidence in order to 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 go after one of their employees, and they don't want you to get that mm-hmm. evidence. They oh, take got, people behind closed doors. It, you know, there was some. You know, David David really brought up in his video that not everybody here uh, is is completely trusting of the of the other person in the bar in the party uh, that occurred you know there's some people who you know it's it's you know not everyone is completely sure what what's going on and and you would think with that kind of uh that that it would the best way to deal with that would be to not drag people behind closed doors and and then and do things you know if you if you keep everything out in the open then it's a lot harder for anyone to hide anything and uh, and and everyone can witness what's going on, see exactly what happened, and 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 e- even better if it could be filmed, then there'd be f- evidence. That would be evidence that could be used in court. True, but then they'd by have to them behave. as well. They'd it have could, to behave. Then they would have to behave. <laughs> you know, I mean, that could be evidence used by them as well. So it's awfully suspicious the way they keep dragging people h- behind closed doors, and uh, and so I think that you know they have it in. They have the power to to be more to have all this be more transparent to remove suspicion. If they really are behaving themselves, then they don't need to be dragging people behind closed doors. But they don't care. They, they, there's no reason for them to and be I more think transparent. That's, that's what uh, Andrew is pointing out, is that you know we have no recourse when they nope. have all the power. And they're constantly hiding behind this notion that I'm just doing my job. Yep. 
that that protects them from being any kind of having any kind of emotional investment or moral um, feel any sort of sense of moral repercussions for the decisions that they're making because they're just following their orders and their job protects them. And, and you know, and, and Rivera will say, well, you, know, you why are you guys making this personal? It's personal all the time for them. They bust into people's doors with a, if they've got the right piece of paper. Yep. You know, they they, their job man. lets them get personal. He wants it to be a one way street. Right. And, he doesn't and, want to bring it know. to he doesn't want it brought to his house. But they're more than happy to come to your house, kick you out of your home if you haven't paid property taxes, arrest you if you've got a plant in your possession. Yeah. They're more than happy to separate loved ones. I mean, in this shoot case, your dog. Kurt, Kurt, shoot your dog. <laughs> sure. In this case, Kurt has been separated from his wife for one hundred and eighty days. I mean, and it, that, that's that's personal, right? There are and, and those are people showing up at his house saying, "Look, you hurt us. This is an action you chose to do. You chose your job. You chose to follow these orders that are immoral. You hurt someone behind closed doors. You wouldn't let anyone witness it. There is no recourse for us. We are upset." And and it was a completely nonviolent. It's, we stayed on public property. I think one person knocked on the door and then immediately got off their property, which is mm-hmm. you can I, knock on someone's door. That's not trespassing. And uh, just to see if he was home. And so we stayed on public property. We held candles. Some people hummed or ohmed or something like that. I didn't even care for that myself, but that's their thing. And and so it, it was, you know, it's night and day. Busting into someone's house because you have a piece of paper and yeah. showing up and staying on public property outside with candles. It's a night and day situation. Andrew, thanks so much for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800 259 we will continue here. Uh, we'll get to the, the religion portion of this. We'll talk about how statism, the belief in government, is actually real similar to a religion. And more coming up. Your calls as well at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Anything goes. Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program, and you can bring up, well, virtually anything. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on our site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right into your phone calls we go, and then we'll talk about the religion of statism. But first, it's Brian in Illinois. Brian, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hello, Brian. Hey, guys. You there? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, not much. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple things real quick. First of all, um, the 420 celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these are daily just... celebrations happening here in Keene, New Hampshire, also in Manchester, New Hampshire, where people are smoking up uh, cannabis and other things uh, right there in the, the town central square in, in a public park. And it's going very yeah. well. 
Yeah, I like the I like the dialogue you guys are you guys have going back and forth um, on you know how productive it is, whether it's getting in the way of uh, of certain legislation going through things like that. Mm. Um, but I, w- I was going to ask you guys if you had thoughts on um, how such a celebration would go down in uh, Chicago, you know where that's where I'm living right now. What, do you what are the What are that? the drug laws like in Chicago, or as far as marijuana is concerned? Um, it's I, I just moved. To, to Illinois from Indiana, and it's a lot steeper. Really? Um, yeah. Because sometimes um, big cities, like, I know that New York City has decriminalized uh, cannabis, so it's really, I think, just a civil fine or something like that uh, if, if people get caught with it. So you're saying yeah. that you'll go to jail for cannabis in, in uh, Chicago? I'm not going to say 100% for sure. Um, I'd have to get back to you on that, but, uh, but that's the impression I was under. Um, I think I've, you I've live been, there. You live there, yes, right? I, so I live, you you would downtown. know better than we do how well it would go down. Yeah, I think this is a situation where if you are impressed and moved by the uh, the, 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 the the celebrations that are going on yeah, in exactly. here in New Hampshire, that you essentially have to try it and see how it goes. Um, Be prepared to go to jail. I mean, yeah. somebody's going to go. It somebody went to jail here in New Hampshire. Well, it was they went to the. I guess they didn't go to jail, jail. They went to the police department, were processed and released. They, and they were arrested. They will go to jail yeah. eventually if they don't, you know, if Rich Paul, I keep saying they, he's not a they. Uh, <laughs> if Rich Paul, the man who was arrested, doesn't pay the fine, which he's not going to, then they will likely put him in a jail cell. So you have to be ready to face whatever those arbitrary consequences might be. It may be worth a look-see to maybe the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws or some sort of uh, Chicago-based uh, normal group to find out exactly what the potential potential punishments you might be facing for doing something like this. But as far as what could possibly happen, you are dealing with a big city, and big cities have big police departments. And they so, can rally more forces more quickly. Exactly. But the upside is is that uh, Ian will call you a super activist, fawn on you, <laughs> and bring you onto the show and talk to you for an hour. <laughs> oh, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. But um, <laughs> um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, I, you guys have Changed subject since, but when I um, when I tuned into the show earlier, um, you were you were discussing email and then discussed um, health insurance um, for for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to see what you guys how familiar you were with um, with property insurance because I'm working as an actuary on the property insurance side of things, and I've you know seen firsthand what what government intervention basically can do to the entire market. I was going to see if you guys. I'm not very familiar with it. I mean, I have property insurance. Luckily, I've never had to actually attempt to collect on anything. So, yeah. I mean, what is it you want to share with, about that? Well, um, I w- I've, I've been hearing so much about the, the health insurance, you know, back and forth all over the place lately. And, and I don't know much about it, but I do know a lot about property insurance and, and, and how this comes into play there. Um, we deal with departments of insurance in every single state. In different states, obviously, I mean, you could probably guess which ones, um, you know, pose more problems than, than other states. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that affects the rates that we put in, the premium rates. And I, I could honestly say that our rates across the board would be 15 to 20 percent lower all the way across the country if it wasn't for the time and the, the effort we have to put in to get everything approved by these government entities. Wow. So, so it's just the regulation. Essentially, you have to have a departments of people to say, oh, great state, great insurance state corporation thing. We we would like to offer our customers this in this manner. Is that okay with you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, the, the amount of work that, that my 
department personally, my department puts in the pricing department um, on documentation because everything has to be done down to a T. The departments have come back to us and, and made us redo our work over and over again because we didn't punctuate things correctly. I mean, Jeez. The, yeah, the, the money that goes into it is absurd. Um, and if and, you get it wrong, there'll be big fines, possibly. I mean, if you if you fill out one of their state forms and you you botch up one of the entries, they could fine you over that, right? I know that's the case yeah. with the the restaurant industry that where Julia works. She's they're constantly facing uh, major major stiff penalties for just you know slight paperwork errors. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up to you guys. And- well, thank you for sharing that. Now, you think about that. I think that's just your industry, the insurance industry. You think about how uh, you mentioned it's 15 to 20 percent. You could knock right off the cost of the, uh, the the insurance to the end user if you didn't have to comply with all these absurd government mandates. Then you take that that concept and you spread it out across all the regulated industries across the yeah. country, which are there are so many, so many industries are regulated, some heavier than others. But you take that across the country, and you're talking about billions and trillions of dollars of time and effort that are just simply being spent to satisfy some un- completely unaccountable board of bureaucrats that rule your life and your business. It's so sick. Now, how much? How much of that? Again, we're back to the the question of opportunity cost. What would uh, what's the seen and the unseen? What would these businesses be able to do, or the end users, the the consumers that would be paying less? What would they be doing with the money that they would save if they didn't have to cover the businesses' costs of all of those regulatory agencies and their demands? It's tremendous. And pay taxes to the departments also. I mean, there's there's that end of it too. I'm I'm sure it's not cheap to have those guys around in every single state. You know, nitpicking over all of our forms that we send in. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Trillions, I'm sure, of dollars. I mean, I'm not not an economist, so I'm not going to be able to run the numbers, but just the amount of lost productivity from jumping through state regulations is tr- it's just a tremendous drain on getting things done. And if you have to take 10 extra steps to accomplish something that you otherwise would only have to take one step to, to accomplish, you've wasted nine steps. The, the government hasn't made anything better. It's made things worse. It's damaging the economy. It's hurting jobs. I mean, if you have to pay more for products and, uh, and businesses have to do more to, uh, to get, get through these regulatory structures, that, that's, those are, well, you could argue that the, it's giving accountants jobs and lawyers jobs, but those were otherwise would be jobs that would be creating something productive instead of just you know, allowing the business to continue. Just the, this, the simplistic thing, you're, I mean, you're talking about the productivity that's being stifled by regulations and things like that. But, uh, you know, we're ta- we always try to convey to people the, uh, the hidden damage caused by government and taxation and regulations. And what is considered, you know, the, the big living wage, people that are always pushing for a living wage? Like 20? What is, 20 an hour, I think? $20 an hour? I have no 40 idea. Hour, 40 I've, hours a I've, week. I've, I've I'm trying to figure 20. out how much, if you take... The, the whatever the living wage is, let's say it's twenty thousand a year or something. I don't know. Whatever they and decided is. Whatever they decided it was. Let's say twenty for that. the I think, sake of. I think argument. twenty is more like the average. Isn't that more like the the, the average? I don't have any idea. I, I really couldn't tell you what it is that people you claim should. a living wage is, because it's a it's a completely arbitrary number that they're coming up with. In most of the places in the world, young people don't move out of their parents' houses. Here, it's the eg- expectation. Look at every $20,000 that's taken in taxes or that's incurred as a cost due to regulations, 
and think of that as a job as a that's job. gone that would be there in the private sector mm-hmm. d- producing something for someone making food or building cars or building houses and 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 creating yet more jobs and more for the economy it's like they're you know it is a cannibaliz- cannibalizing process of a society when you tax it and 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 those jobs are gone, and no one will know what they could be because they would be created by what people want and what people are willing to spend their money on. So, exactly, and and it's not to say that in the absence of all the regulations, everything would be incredibly dangerous. It's not to say that at all. I understand that's the conclusion people will jump to. Sure, well, if the government isn't now, there protecting us, then, uh, then 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 obviously people would uh, be jumping right into meat grinders. Well, it's ludicrous. I mean, there are there will be protections involved in the in the marketplace and in the workplace, and there are lots of reasons that would be the case. I can explain some of them here in a moment. At eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, how without government regulations you'd still be safe? It's Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hey, podcasters! FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, Earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, and they include... Our chat room. Go to chat.freetalklive.com. During the show is the best time to find people in there, uh, but it's open all the time. Chat.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live has teamed up with MS Press to offer you the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. If you're interested in buying this very rare set, you already know who Lysander Spooner is and how influential he was for the liberty movement. He's an anarchist, philosopher, abolitionist, entrepreneur, and mailman. Many of the philosophies that we talk about on this show were, uh, you know, formulated and uh, and 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 sort of uh, solidified by Lysander Spooner. Uh, you can purchase this 2,800-page, six-volume set bound in library-quality hardcover, um, delivered to your door for $335. Just go to spooner.freetalklive.com. That's spooner.freetalklive.com, and uh, you'll be able to correspond with the guy right there and get it sent to you. Coming up still, uh, we got to talk about the religion of statism, but I did mention that uh, we're talking about regulations first, and I mentioned that I wanted to just give people an example. In case it's the first time you've ever heard anybody talking about how regulations should be done away with, we talked about the economic reasons why regulation should be done away with, because businesses' overhead will lower, which means more jobs can be created that are actually producing value for the economy. It also means that consumers can keep more of their money and therefore spend other, you know, spend or save or give away their money on things that are more appropriate for them to uh, to do rather than just spending it on complying with government regulations. But of course, the inevitable resu- uh, the result of that discussion in somebody's mind who believes in the state, who believes that the the, the government provides some valuable services is going to be, well, what about safety? What about, say, food safety at restaurants? What about products that are unsafe? What about uh, businesses uh, being scam artists? There's a demand and a desire for safety and for regulations 
then there will be a free market uh, um, need. The fr- the free market will be driven to provide that. Well, there will be a, a way to a make money. There yeah, there will be. You will be able to make money by doing that. You will be able to. To, uh, for instance, get restaurants who, whose customers won't go there unless they feel safe to eat there. Absolutely. To sign up to some third party that that checks out restaurants and makes sure that there's th- that they're cleaning well and that they're preparing, keeping their food cold enough and, and that's storage not speculation. and things like that. that the, what right, you're it, saying it are, is yeah. not speculation. That exists now, and and it's a great example because you can talk about getting rid of regulations and somebody. Well, what about this? Well, wait a minute. It's happening right now. If you look at uh, big chains, for instance, Burger King uh, or Panera or something like that, you look at these big chain restaurants, they have private inspectors that work for the, you know, the parent corporation that will come around to the franchisees, their stores, come around to the corporate stores as well, and they check you out, man. And if you don't if you're not up to spec, if you're a um, if you're one of the franchisees, your franchise will get pulled. You know, you'll be given an opportunity to make it right. But if you don't make it right within a certain amount of time, up to a certain level of specification, your franchise fee is, you know, your, your franchise well, is pulled just from it. You. They have a reputation. The people right. who are trying to keep restaurants, if there's a business, for instance, who, who, uh, who collects money from restaurants to certify them and say, look, this, this restaurant's clean and safe mm-hmm. and is doing things safely, if they're, if they're, um, th- that's me- that will become valueless if they don't enforce it. Exactly. If they don't truly check on it, if people are getting sick at a restaurant, and if they don't crack, crack down and, and, with, and, and withdraw their support and say this restaurant isn't safe anymore, don't eat there, then their reputation is on the line. They can't make money anymore. But that that, doesn't that's no happen. longer valuable to the restaurants. You know? But that doesn't happen with the state. Exactly. There's no accountability there. So if the state restaurant inspector comes around and looks at the ceiling tile, sits down, has a cup of coffee, enjoys a free plate of food and leaves and passes an inspection, and then a few days later you find out, as they found out in New York City, right after the inspection, the, somebody videotaped rats running all over the floor in, I think it was a Taco Bell or something I like that. I think it was, yeah. And you know, this was the day after the city inspector came in to do the inspection. Right. I mean, you know, all you have to do is talk to people in the food service industry yes. about city and state inspections, and you will find out that those that, that essentially not only are they more or less useless as far as making the, the, the restaurant uh, safe, uh, because restaurants don't want to poison their customers, right. um, they are also used as a club to, uh, to, to bludgeon uh, restaurants that aren't part of the club you know some people yep. get better service than others i mean for god's sake it's politics people that's what politics is it's it's oh, yeah. an organization it's you know an organization to punish their the enemies and to reward their friends and and if you look at look at how fema responded to the natural disaster in new orleans and things like that they are not selling you safety they're selling you a false sense of security at best, at a, at a tremendous cost. Exactly. Because so, they are not accountable. So the marketplace does provide protection. In fact, it's the one, the marketplace, the semi-free market that we have, is what's responsible for the level of safety we currently have. Because they want you to come back. You don't want to kill your customers. You don't. You want them to come back again and again and buy more food from you. Or in you know another case, you want them to give a rec- if it's not a food product we're talking about. Let's talk about it, some sort of uh, physical product that you only need one of. 
you know. Actually, uh, a fair amount of that is done by private um, inspection. And, well, there's there's underwriters' laboratories, mm-hmm. underwriters, which is actually much is considered a much more meaningful. I, I I know I can't I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was on a washing machine that I bought. It was actually like a, a fo- from a foreign company, mm-hmm. and they typically they don't have the EP. Is it EPL that does the? There's it's ETL. Like a state company ETL. That's not state. Okay. Um, there's, there's CE, which is uh, the European one, I think. I think there's a Euro- I thought Underwriters Laboratory might. Well, I think I think that this particular machine was underwritten by the Underwriters Laboratory, and someone uh, and there was someone in the industry that said, "Oh, that's that's much better than the the more common one that's used in in America. They hmm. they have stricter standards and so forth." And so you know, I I I, I think that, and that doesn't surprise me that there would be. You know, stricter standards actually in a private company about what you know the kind of things that they're testing for for well, safety and things like underwriters that. laboratories test a lot of products and they they do a great job. That's why you see them on everything. Right. That's why they are the standard and the government is not. Right. The government couldn't possibly hope to stand up to the uh, the levels of uh, scrutiny that the underwriters laboratory uh, does. The government's just not even capable of doing it. So it's, it's you hear a lot of particularly have a drive to do it. I mean, that's right. that's just it. If you know? they did get in there, if they did manage to to somehow uh, circumvent Underwriters Laboratory, they'd have to do it through uh, coercive means, basically putting them out of business. Uh, they'd also have to spend ten times the money to do oh it that gosh. Underwriters Underwriters Laboratory does. And in things order would to be do so it. dangerous if the government started taking over that. I mean, the the reason really? Underwriters Laboratory really do you want a toaster made by the government? I mean, that's that's the next step from um, well, up. Be from the government, by the, it'd be approved. By approved the by the government is the next step. And now they, yeah. they do have the Energy Star rating, which we've talked about on the show is essentially just a BS rating for the big companies. So, the underwriters' laboratories, the reason they exist, you, you know, you, when you listen to these people talking about corporations are evil, when we had somebody calling earlier in the show, uh, essentially echoing that sentiment. Corporations are greedy. Well, yeah, the corporations want to make a buck, but at the same time, they don't want to burn your house down. Sometimes you know? there's, so, there's a, that you know, interferes with them making a buck. That's, that's true. <laughs> well, but short term, they could make an extra buck if they sold you a cheap toaster that wasn't Underwriters Laboratory certified because they wouldn't have to pay for the certification fee. Maybe they could make an extra buck off of the product as a result of that. But uh, if you burn your customers' houses down, they're not going to recommend your product to anybody else, and you'll end up going out of business. So these companies have the long view. You know, they're taking the long view and saying, hey, we need to protect our customers. Some do, some don't. But then that's why you if need they to don't, have they certification. Don't get on, right. If they don't, they don't get on Walmart shelves. That's true. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those. They include things like the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, even a webcam. And the brand-new listen lines, which allow you to tune in to Free Talk Live from any phone I can dial long distance. Get all the details on all of that at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Audiblepodcast.com offers over 60,000 downloadable titles of uh, audiobooks to choose from. You uh, can download them for your iPod or MP3 player or play them right on your computer if you want. 
They are unabridged by and large, and uh, you can have a free one to try by going to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. They've got every gen- general, every excuse me, every genre um, they've got it covered. It's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. All right, we're going to continue taking your phone calls. Jesse is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Jesse. Hey, how you doing? Hey, super. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I actually just wanted to uh, confirm uh, what you guys were talking about with the, uh, the private um, companies coming in and uh, doing health inspections for restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. I worked in the restaurant industry for 10 years, and we had a private uh, company that would come in and do inspections. And I can tell you that was uh, much more serious, I guess, the when they would come in than when uh, um, the health inspectors would come in. The health inspectors were kind of uh, almost a joke because <laughs> they were actually friends with uh, the manager that was there. So they'd kind of walk around and say, oh, yeah, that looks good, that looks good. Here, and have a free meal. Really yep. <laughs> right. Never really did anything. And yeah. here's the reason: is because if the health inspector does a bad job, then um, and it's unlikely he's going to get caught or reprimanded. But the the uh, the chances of him getting anything bad happening to him are much more slim than if the uh, the, the private company does a bad job, because another company is going to come in and scoop up their business. They're going to go out of exactly. business. And I mean, that's, that that health inspector is in a position of power. He's got a title, you know, with government. He has power he's a over burger other meister. Yeah, he's a, he's got he's got all kinds of threats and power on his side. He can take you know he can get free meals or kickbacks and things like sure. that. Who's gonna you know who's well, gonna get on to? He's he's also always got you know another restaurant where he doesn't have friends to fall back on and give a you know a bad report on sure. them. Uh, you know to say you know he's doing something and he's really checking on them and you know uh, I mean not that there was really anything wrong with the restaurant I was working in. It was pretty clean. It was up to code. I'm sure. But uh, well, see, I mean, that's, part of that was because of the private um, company yes. that came in and did the very serious, very thorough checks on us. That's the problem. The problem with it is, is that the private company also has no reason to go after your company if your company's doing a, a good job. Whereas exactly. if if the inspector wants to go after you, there are enough rules and codes that they can come up with anything they want. Yeah, they'll find uh, something. Th- yep. They'll find something. They'll make it your life arduous and miserable. They'll they'll ch- tens of thousands of dollars to get into compliance if that's what they feel like doing. Right, and what they find may not even have anything to do with safety. You know, it may just be some exactly. arbitrary rule. Mm-hmm. There Thanks. was yeah, I mean, there was one uh, that you say there's you had to have racks like six inches above the floor and there was one that was four inches above the floor and they i mean they'd let us slide on it but they'd call out other restaurants on it sure sure if you for instance were to uh if the restaurateur was to run for political office then all of a sudden if they were unfavorable to the status quo and whoever it is that was in charge did not like uh the threat that they posed to their political position then in that case you could damn well expect that the uh the health inspector is going to start finding things wrong with the restaurant that's those stories oh, yeah. have been told so many times yep definitely Jesse thanks for sharing that with us anything else on your mind tonight no, no, that was about it. Thank right. you very much. That's this, the show. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And I have to say that when we've talked about this issue over the years and when I've talked to people in, in person, just off the air, just restaurateurs that I've known over time, it's always the same old story. It's right. always the same story that the uh, the government inspector, number one, like Jesse said, is a joke. 
Uh, you know, they're coming around. Uh, Julia says they look at the ceiling when they come in. You know, <laughs> uh, they, they 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 sit down. They eat something for free on the house. They, uh, you know, I can't believe they get away with that. By the way, I'm, I'm just surprised that hasn't come down. Uh, you know, come it hasn't how, been a problem. How's it not going to be? A problem? It doesn't surprise me at all. It's just too simple just and seems, too obvious. That just say, I mean, we people keep making comparisons of government to the mafia, and I just the only difference I can see is that the government is so much worse. They, you know, the whole no, the kickbacks and all that stuff. I just I expect that kind of thing when you give that much power to to an organization. And you well, give, I think what people want from their governance, uh, the governments, if if nothing else, the first level is uh, sort of consistency. They want stability. They want the government to treat at least to provide the same level of tyranny to everyone. But in the area of uh, food inspection, you are not seeing that. You're not seeing it by a long shot. I know people want that, but the government doesn't respond to market demand. It, by and large, doesn't. um, But there are areas where the government is better at providing uh, a consistent level of tyranny than the area of food service licensing. Well, the consistency okay. is the consistent uh, laziness and shiftlessness of the government health inspectors. Inspectors are, uh, uh, you know, probably in the building area are probably, you know, you certainly can have plenty of examples of otherwise, but are probably a little better because people can die if they don't do their job uh, properly. However, when you're looking at so many of these regulatory, uh, you know, jobs, they know that there's no big deal. Look, they can eat some bad soft cheese and big deal. They'll, they'll get the, the stomach bug. It won't yeah. be my problem. And just as you saw with in New York City with the rats in the in the restaurant right after they'd been inspected. They also, in many cases, and I'm sure the rules are slightly different across the country, but again, these are my experiences having talked to restaurateurs, having talked to them in person and on the show. Not only are they telling me that, or have they told me, that the government inspectors are lazy, they come in, they barely do anything, they, in many cases, will call in advance. So there's no surprise. Yeah. What's the point in that? They uh, probably don't want to find something. It's probably it's just probably an easier job if yeah they if have the, to fill if out it gets cleaned up before and they're able to just come in like you said have the free meal that right. they probably are often offered and uh, and just be able to come in and like, waste some time and you know I just hear so many stories. I have a friend that worked in a government office and he said they they line up at five minutes till five at the exit. Gosh. And, 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 and like, you know, cause at five, at five o'clock, that clock, like click, and there was like a little bing or something, just like, and they were out the door. Like in a line. In yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's like they, they, they were going to work exactly as much as they absolutely were required to and yeah. not a, not a second more. Yeah, and I can I can imagine they're working real hard while they're actually in there too. Well, if they're lining fired, up, right. if they're lining up at five till, what's that tell you? Yeah. It tells you that you're five. That's completely wasted. Just go home, people. Right. Go home five <laughs> minutes early. No, 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 no. In. The rule is they have to be inside that room right. until five o'clock. That's, so right, they that's obeyed the rule. the rule. They don't have to do nice, anything. Nice clean lines. Those lines that you were talking about. Yeah. We want nice consistency and li- they do. They <laughs> yeah, yeah they. There's lines, you know, there's rules, and, and they abide by it absolutely to the letter. And the other thing you hear about government health inspection is that they just don't come around very often. Like once a year, you'll see the government health inspector come into your restaurant, if that. Yeah. So, and, and they don't have very many inspectors either, so they got like one or two inspectors going around just restaurant to restaurant. They just get to eat free at every restaurant, you know, every single day. They just get new uh, new it, experiences and new food. What it, a sweet job. It reminds me of when I worked in a retail shop and uh, the, the fire marshal came through. This is a very similar kind of uh, inspection process where, you know, whatever, um, they do their little thing. Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, uh, right. I need to quit my job as an anarchist and get, and get a job as a government inspector. <laughs> it sucks as an I, anarchist. It really I did does. this, I worked there for... You 
this place has been open for years. And then the 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 fire marshal comes in and he sees that the uh, the the fire extinguisher is sitting on the floor rather than mounted on the wall on a rack. It is uh, you know out where people can get it, but it's on you know just sitting on the floor. Yeah. As opposed to being up on that little black rack that it's supposed to be it's on. A violation. Right. Right. And so it it was okay. However, for that long, years and years, yeah. um, uh, you know, several years, probably not a decade, but a y- years there, it was fine when they came in and did their inspections, if if they in fact even did them instead of just uh, driving by and, and marking, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on a piece of paper that they were there. It was fine. Well, then they sees it and he says, you're going to have to put that on the wall. So, you know, I get out a little screwdriver and I put it on the wall and, um, you know, the, I guess they came by and two months later or something like that and it was on the wall and everything was fine. Just dumb. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. You're welcome to chime in on this or bring up anything. That is the point of the program. 800-259-9231. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The Walking Liberty Half is a fantastic coin for the beginner investor and those who want usable silver should a monetary collapse occur. This coin is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful ever made. It served our grandparents for more than 40 years, and you can get them for $8.69. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free. The number run to you by SACL CAI. It is 800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Those other talk shows want to charge you for their websites. Head over to freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. You know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer, selling all kinds of products. One of my recent purchases there, uh, we just got some, let's see, we just got some of the Advantage stuff for kitties. Yes. Uh, because our kitties have, uh, I've noticed they have fleas, and uh, we'd been dropping the ball and hadn't been ap- applying it uh, recently, and I guess we'd lost <laughs> lost them. It had been so long. So got on there, and you can get it a lot cheaper through Amazon, from what I've seen, than you can through the vet's office, for instance. So amazon.freetalklive.com. And on a lot of brand-new items, you'll get free Super Saver shipping. So and it's just an extra reason to shop there. Plus, if you need to save a few extra bucks, you can go used on a whole lot of products. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Guns, protests, smoking bans, biker rallies, comic conventions, pork fest, homeschooling, mortgages, pirates, hot chicks talking about liberty, and of course, there's the puppet from outer space. Thinktwicenews.com. Go there and subscribe today. Thinktwicenews.com. All right, uh, let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Paul is in California, and you're on the amp line. Hello, Paul. Ian, Dale, and Mark. It's good to talk to you. Good to have you on, uh, Paul. Never mind. Ever since the Liberty Forum in March, I, I have, a, have, a, have a, a person to put with the voices, so it's really <laughs> nice to talk to you guys again. Indeed, sir. Uh, I was thinking a few days back they, they were talking about these um, uh, incidents where open carry people were being uh, 
um, noticed by other people. Go, oh, he's got a gun, you know. And uh, I remember that when Obama was uh, making public appearances, there was this big controversy about this guy open carrying and stuff. And uh, there's been also studies, there also some stories on a uh, one of your brother talk show hosts who happens to live in Pahrump, Nevada, and by the way, is an instructor at Front Sight. Uh, Dave, Dave Champion did a couple shows on this, too. Hmm. I was just thinking that how liberty activists could kind of turn this around. And uh, because it's like I know it's on the Obama thing. They were saying that, uh, well, why should people be carrying a gun around the president? You know, I'm going, well, there's hundreds of people with guns around the president. So yeah. what I'm thinking is if liberty activists, if they're going to make a big deal out of, out of people open carrying, uh, then have liberty activists start calling up the police saying, well, there's a man with a gun. Yes, yes, he's, he, he's, he just got out of a car. He's, he's uh, six foot one inches tall. He's got dark hair. You know, just don't mention the fact he's wearing a police uniform. Just, <laughs> just make it a big deal. Oh, <laughs> I like to do that. We were at a grocery store where a policeman had illegally parked and in a big, huge, well-marked no-parking zone right next to like three open spaces, literally five, ten mm-hmm. feet away. <laughs> And uh, so we went inside and said, someone is parked illegally in your no-parking zone. And that's all we said. <laughs> and, and they went and checked it out, and I'm sure they went, oh, it's a policeman. It's you know. Oh, it's okay. They're better than us. He needs his donuts. Yeah. He was at a grocery and store. No, right? And everyone's like, some people said, like, oh, well, he might have been investigating an emergency call. I'm like, there was nothing going on. Where are the on lights? The, if there's, there was, a, if right, there's an emergency, light, you should have the lights on. His lights weren't flashing. There weren't other cars pulling up. There wasn't anyone running around. You know, from some guy in a ski mask with a gun inside the roaster. There was nothing going on. He was in there yep. probably to grab a bag of chips or something. Yep. So and and Jimmy Justice is the best at doing at doing that, where he actually catches the cops in the act of, uh, in the act of just an illegal parking job or something real simple like that. One of those things that cops do every single day because they know they'll get a pass. Uh, because there's no consequences for them. But it's an interesting idea, Paul, uh, you know, essentially calling in such a report on the police. I don't know if it's something that I would want to spend my time on because it would just it would just frustrate the cops and uh, really wouldn't do anything for you. It just kind of it would just be more of like a, a mosquito to them. I, to, that's kind yeah, of but I, I, I think it would be funny if you'd report the call. You know, okay. Yeah, good point. The, you know, the person saying, you know, well, what's this person doing? Well, they're, 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 you know, they're not doing anything bad. They've got, a, you know, they just have a gun. You know, it's like, well, it contra- it's similar to the guy who's just open carrying, who also isn't doing anything wrong. You know. Now, but, to be uh, fair though, least, Paul, I mean, we're here in New Hampshire, and I understand you're out in California, where the yeah. gun laws are pretty damn strict. Um, oh, and that, that what you're talking about might actually be fairly effective and fun out there. But around here, that would be the last issue I'd want to pick on the police for, because to, to be fair to them, at least here in Keene, uh, Keene, New Hampshire, where we're doing this program, the cops have never had an issue with open carry. No, around and here. I appreciate that in New Hampshire, open carry is legal. And in most communities, although I, I understand there are some exceptions, uh, some communities in New Hampshire still are, haven't woken up yet to the idea that people can actually obey the law. I think they've but, had a fair uh, amount of trouble in Manchester, Manchester and yes. I think that's because it's a bigger city and that's yeah. just the environment in a bigger city. In more rural areas, and, and Keene doesn't feel rural at all. It feels like a sometimes it feels like a, a small, a big town. Uh, it's actually a small city, but uh, I think maybe that it's just a, it's not a big city like Manchester, and so there isn't that sort of that same sort of environment of being very distrustful of every you know no one knows each other out there, and and you actually start yeah. to see a lot of the same people and get you know around here, and it just feels like everybody you know. So I think that's maybe no, part I, of it. And I think it is important to acknowledge what they do get right. You know, okay. Yep, absolutely. If they're not hassling people for open carrying, good, good. It's it's know, positive reinforcement. 
You know, tell yeah. the cops when they're doing the right thing. Let them know that you appreciate the fact that they're not arresting. For instance, here in Keene, there are these 420 cannabis celebrations that go on every day. Uh, people smoking cannabis out in the public park. Uh, they made a mistake by arresting somebody up front, and then they made a second mistake by arresting somebody the, the day after that. And then they realized they'd made a mistake, and they stopped doing it because as they arrested people, the activists just came and smoked out in their uh, in their police lobby. First, they smoked out outside of the police station. Then the next day, when they arrested the second guy, they, they moved it inside into the lobby. So even if they weren't smoking marijuana, which they were, uh, even if they weren't smoking marijuana, they still would have been violating a no-smoking-in-a-public-buildings uh, ordinance, right. and, and nothing was enforced on them at that point, and nothing has been enforced on the cannabis celebration since then. So that's when I, you know, essentially... Uh, wrote up something for the blog at freekeen.com saying, hey, you know, you guys are doing the right thing. Thanks the, for that. The best way for them to reinvigorate the uh, and make the 420 protest just that much stronger would be to arrest someone right yep, now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, gonna, it's nice that they are trainable. And, and Dale, your, your, your cartoon just rocks. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Paul, for the call tonight. Appreciate right. hearing from you. Dale's cartoon, we need to talk about that as well. It's anarchyinyourhead.com. There's a brand new Anarchity cartoon available. It's one Anarch- of your new characters everybody loves anarchy i gotta I, say i'm very excited about anarchy i um I, <laughs> I, you know I've, I've been hot and cold on the uh the the comic strip uh, you know throughout the it, it's the months it's been in existence many months it's been in existence but uh anarchy has me very very excited tell, tell well, people what it is like, i mean oh you know, well anarchy is just like the the you know i just think cats i've got a cat at home now it's not mine it's my mm-hmm. roommate's uh, feels like it's my cat sometimes, and uh, they're just they just they have such uh, I just feel like they embody anarchism sometimes, just the way they they carry themselves. The I think way they, they embody, act uh, embody, uh, embody autocracy pretty oh, well. Well, sometimes <laughs> I mean, and actually, you know, uh, sometimes I I do call my uh, I do call my roommate's cat Princess Andromeda, so. She she is a princess, or she thinks she is. So. so your cat has somehow spun into a comic book, or a comic character, and you can see that over at Anarchy. Or not? Wait a minute. Anarchy in your head. <laughs> Anarchyinyourhead.com, as well as some some great essays by Dale. Uh, also, in fact, uh, some video content. Now uh, you've been putting up more videos recently. Uh, I like to just... call it the Anarchy in Your Head multimedia experience. It really is. It's uh, it's really expanding, <laughs> and it's the videos have been very good uh, as of late, and so people can go and see that. In fact, we're going to touch on uh, some w- some of the points. I want to have you, I guess, kind of do a. a talk radio version of one of your videos here in a little bit, and we'll talk about the religion of statism. But first, let's go unscreened to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys. It's Dan in Maine. Dan, what's on uh, your mind tonight? Um, I was listening to the podcast the other night, and you guys were talking about, it was, uh, I believe it was the off-air version. Yes, the extended internet-only edition. Talking about grocery stores? Yes, sir. Yeah, the the whole carding and stuff. Yeah, this asinine policy that says yeah. that if you are with somebody who appears to be under the age of 21, that everybody must be carded in the group. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually a, a shift leader at a grocery store that also has stores in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and I can give you guys like the lowdown on what actually happens and stuff like that behind the scenes. Please. We just want to talk crap about it. Oh, I know. I totally understand it. Go you ahead. know, I'm totally voluntary, so it hurts me every time I have to do it. But you know. Um, so is it a store policy or is it a law? Can you clear that up? For instance, in the state of Maine, the the law says 30. Well, I, well, I guess what was happening is the state was going into a bunch of stores over and over again and failing them and removing their licenses and fining the cashiers like $1,000 like every time, and basically they lose their jobs and stuff and get mm-hmm. fined $1,000. 
possibly go to jail. Wow. It's ridiculous. So the law, um, wait a second, before you go on, the law is that you have to ID someone under 30. So if they, if I were to, 29 years old, legal to buy alcohol, but the clerk didn't card me, has the clerk broken the law? Yes. They charge him for that? They, well... I'm, I'm not sure what the what the charge is. Wow. Can you hang on? We can. T- I'd like to talk to, yeah, totally. to you more about this if you don't mind. Can you hang through the news? Yeah, totally. All right, hang on. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is coming up. Grocery store carding madness. It's Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA. But you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAMail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit DNAMail.com and join the evolution. This is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the third hour of the program. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls. Dan is on the line in Maine, and Dan, you're on one of the amp lines. You called in because you're a shift leader at a grocery store. Now, we're not going to name any names here, but uh, the reason you were you were uh, calling was because last night on the extended edition of the program, which you can only get uh, via our podcast at freetalklive.com, we did a, an extended internet-only edition. And we were talking about the asinine policy that so many grocery stores have these days that mandates that the clerk must check the identification of everyone who's going through their line if they appear to be under a certain age, you know, 21 or 30 or something like that. And the the asininity of it all, or at least one of the asinine aspects of it, is that if you are with a 10-year-old, well, obviously you can't check the ID of the 10-year-old, so if it's a mom who's in her 40s with a 10-year-old, are you going to refuse to sell mom the wine that she's looking to buy because she has a 10-year-old and there's a, you know, a slight chance that she might share some of the wine with the 10-year-old? But I mean, this is if she if she she might if she's going to share it with a 10-year-old, she could leave the kid at home and still do it. Well, this exactly. is so ridiculous. Well, it, it, it does was, not stop anything. Well, it, no, it doesn't. In, in the story that we were talking about, it was actually uh, took place over in England. Although these, this happens here in the United States too, um, the mom just sent the the girl out to the car and then went through the line again and bought the wine. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't let you get away with that here, would they, Dan? If you if you tried that uh, to, tried to come back in after you'd essentially had the young person leave the store. No, that that's something that's called like I believe it's a second party sale where. Um, Basically, we see that you're persuading someone to buy it for you, um, whether it's, you know, they're pointing it out to them in the aisle or they're 
you know, simply like they came through, we denied them, and someone that was with them came back in about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just will continuously deny them. I, I think in New Hampshire it doesn't even take that much. Just walking in with someone, if you're together, they all have to be ID'd. Right, that's that's the rule, um, and that's that's what it, and it's so dumb because it's just like you say, if you've got some teens, if you've got a twenty-one-year-old and some teenagers, you just leave the teenagers in the car, and yeah. that's that. I got a friend yeah. mad at me because I walked in the store with him. I didn't have my ID on me at the time because I wasn't driving, and I typically don't carry my ID unless I have to. Uh, and uh, they, he got mad at me because we went in together, and then after that, he couldn't buy alcohol. Yep, I mean, they, even if I went, it didn't matter if I left and went back to the car or anything. It was too late at yep. that point, so it was it was screwed. So, Dan, now you were saying that – is this the law where you are in Maine, or is it a, just a store policy because they're frightened of you know, what the consequences might be? Yeah. I, I would say it's more – it's, it's a store policy definitely because we actually have upped our carding age. Like we card you if you look 45 and under. <laughs> Good um, Lord. It, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But mainly it's a, it's a protection thing because sure. you know, we don't want one of our cashiers to have bad age judgment. And then get fined a thousand dollars and be out of a job, right. and then the store to get uh, you know a mark on their liquor license or something like that. Yeah, the average cashier doesn't have a thousand dollars to pay a fine with. Yeah, really, that's true. They probably don't. I mean, likely. Well, I mean, what what's going to happen if I don't pay their fine for being a cashier? I mean, more yeah. more than likely, you're just jail out of a job. I doubt it. it well, you're you're if well, we have we also we have our people who come in and and, and inspect us, our mm-hmm. own private people that come in and do their own stings. Secret choppers. And if we fail them, they they let us know, and you know we retrain the person usually. How often does that um, happen? Um, well, you know, not the name of my store or anything, but it hasn't happened in a really long time. Mm. Okay. But and they don't they don't tell us or anything like that. But the second the state goes around and doing it, like they're they're in, they try, they come back in, and it's all over. And then basically all all the stores, if if it happens that. You know, our competitors, our competitors call us and let us know. Really? That they're going around because they do it like all at once. Oh, that's they do interesting. They like all the stores. They don't, they don't like randomly do it generally. Yeah, it would, it would, it, that makes sense of how the government would do things is that they would, you know, mount a campaign, uh, an operation as they probably call it and, uh, you know, go and do, you know, hit people, you know, in a, in a row like that. It up. That is great news. I am so glad to hear that the uh, the competition in that market is actually informing one another as to, uh, hey, heads up, the cops are in town, they're running a sting. You know, that's very similar to what some bars will do, uh, where if the police are out doing one of their little uh, drunk checkpoints, the bars will call each other and they'll give each other a heads up. I, I think that is just it's in, super. It's in their best interest. It really is. It is, and I think that you know, if, when people start doing that, those are the inklings of the fact that they have lost faith in this notion that that these that all these silly laws are protecting us and that we must obey them whether we agree with them or not. You hear the rhetoric all the time. You know, you know, if you if you think it's bad law, you should work through the system to change it. You don't just you know. But in fact, people are dodging them all the time because yes. they know in their heart that it's BS. Yeah, and one of one of the big things with it is that. Like I've being a volunteerist, you know, I spout what I, you know, the beliefs and stuff like that, and I'm, you know, telling some of the people that I work with that, do you think our store wants to be seen as the store that sells a, you know, a liter of vodka to an 11 year old? No. Likely in the private market, stores would set up their own means of verifications. Sure. To whether or not they feel like it's appropriate to sell to, you know, certain age groups.
Absolutely right, As because to the, arbitrary numbers. And yeah. there and there would be cultural pressures on 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 places. I mean, there's all kinds of. I mean, the worst thing a store could do is do something that like this this broadly not acceptable in that culture. And you know, for a market like a grocery store that's such a broad market. Uh, you know, you 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 could might have some weird little niche store that 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 promotes to some little niche market that could get away with a little more. But but there's going to be tremendous cultural pressure for any kind of store that engages in like selling something you know to children and, and right. Think like of all that. the parents, you know, the business from parents you'll lose if yeah. you're selling to ten year olds <laughs> in your grocery store. Exactly, you'd like, be boycotted. Literally, you might come and be able to come in with a permission slip from your mom, sure. saying that you know you've been or you know some. Maybe like uh, your car insurance says that um, you've taken a course on how to, you know, avoid drunk driving, and that gives us an okay to basically be like, you're, you know, what you're doing, so and we know you're going to be safe, so we're willing to sell to you. Yeah, who knows? Like who knows what the the market would would come it's up with? Infinite. Yep. Thanks for sharing that tonight, Dan. Any other thoughts? Um. Nope, that's it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing All from right. you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So according to Dan, it's not necessarily the law that they have to do the those checks, but it's sort of coerced into it. But they're so frightened of the various different laws, and there sure. are laws about assisting with, uh, you know, buying alcohol for minors. I and, find the most outrageous part of it that it's against the law to let somebody go through the line who's less than 30 without being ID'd. Even though it's legal for them to buy the alcohol, it's illegal Wait, not to check them. that was the law? Them. I'm sorry. I That's what that he was... said. Okay, then I, miss, I, miss, he, I misstated. He didn't know what the penalty was, but he said that the law was that you have to card someone who's under 30, who's 30 or, or less than 30 or something. So so, so even if you even if you technically didn't sell it illegally because they were over 21 you still should have carded them and you can apparently that is a violation of some that. sort yeah ludicrous All right let's continue with your calls about whatever you want Susie's in Texas you're on Free Talk Live hello Susie Hi am I talking to Eric No Eric's here there's Ian and Mark and Dale you're on Free Talk oh, Live Okay <laughs> I wasn't sure who I was talking to Okay I got some a really cool question and I'm just a gypsy, and I'm parked in Texas for a while until my kids get out of school. Yeah, I'm a gypsy. I well, can't just find means she travels around. <laughs> okay, that doesn't mean you're scamming people. No, no, I just can't find home. I I get bored and I move. Okay, so you're not rolling. All the way you know, from you're not Vermont doing... to California, and now I'm stuck in Texas for a while. Got it. All right, so you've got kids, and they're in school. And all right, so what's your what's your issue? Go ahead. Okay. Tomorrow I get my paycheck, and I don't get a direct deposit. I get the check. I make my manager of the city. I work for the city. Ooh, sorry to hear that. Sign my check. That's his big job. He gets a big check every year, and I should get paid more, but, you know, i got to make him work for his paycheck. You should get paid more? What do you do for the city? I'm a city water operator. I make the well water drinkable for this little town okay. that I live in. And what do what do you get paid doing that? Just out of curiosity. I get about twenty three thousand dollars a year. Twenty three. Okay. Let's see more. And try to raise four kids on that. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure where you're going with this, but if you've got more, I'll bring it back and you can tell us the rest of your story. Hang on, okay? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. One of the more useful city jobs. You know, making sure water's drinkable. It's, yeah. You know, that's one of those jobs that would exist in the absence of the coercive government. We're coming up. It's free talk live. 
This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to bring up whatever you want just by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give the features free, so enjoy those on us, including... Stuff like our updates list. Head over to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You'll know first if you're at the uh, if you're on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. FreedomsPhoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to FreedomsPhoenix.com and sign up for the free daily dispatch today. I actually get it every day and do a lot of my show prep from there. FreedomsPhoenix.com. Let's continue with your call. Susie is still, I think, on the line with us in Texas. Yes, I am. Now, Susie, you were telling us that uh, you actually work for the town there as a water treatment uh, person. Operator. Yep. I'm and the lead operator and lab tech. But I, I get paid tomorrow, and I get my check and a check, which mm-hmm. is very unusual. I'm the only person in the city that does that, hmm. <laughs> you know, because I, I don't trust much. I'm not a trusting person. But uh, I you was don't, listening you don't to trust... you guys about a month ago, and I realized that the stock market could crash really soon. And what I was going to do tomorrow when I got my check, instead of depositing it because I'm ahead in my bills and I got my savings, I was going to withdraw all my cash out of my savings and just cash my check and keep my cash. And I figure I could hold on to it for three weeks without having to have to pay anything except for put gas in my car and get groceries. And I don't know if you think it's worth my time or... I mean, well, first of all, I'm not sure what. Worth anything? Okay, first of all, I don't know anything about the stock market crashing. I don't know if you were listening to this show at that time. I, I don't. I'm not a, a financial expert uh, on those those matters. Um, certainly, the dollar has been losing value over time. Are you worried there's going to be a run on the bank? Is that why you're you're pulling? Yeah, the, the I'm money thinking out? it's going to be kind of like chaos, and the people all around are going to freak out when their debit cards don't work. It's and they're going to just start robbing and pillaging Walmart I, and Quick Stops. And I've already stocked up on food, and I'm good on water. Of course, I'm a water operator. So I'm good on that. Well, but, it's um, not. It's always a good idea to be prepared like that. And I, I think it's general. I don't know about all those dire predictions, if, that, if that's going to happen uh, or if it's going to happen in the immediate future. But I do think it's just generally a good idea not to have your money in banks. Well, now, really, are you somebody that doesn't have a bank account? Yeah. I, I, I think it's good to have a bank account for the practicality of it and everything, but yeah, I wouldn't store I, a lot of value in there. Over the summer, talked me into stop writing checks to pay my bills and pay it over line, which is really easy. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that completely. Uh, I think that I agree with Dale that having a bank account is valuable. 
maybe what you might might want to consider is taking some out in cash. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't know how much you have. I don't. We don't need to get into those details. But you know, you take a certain percentage of it out, a fairly large percentage. If you're if you're uncomfortable with the idea of having it in the bank, and I I don't see why you should. I wouldn't have shut it. it down. Just no. leave an amount in there to keep it open. Right. right. Leave I'm going to leave the minimum to keep it open, but exactly that really way. Do, well, leave I don't a little make more. enough money to take a lot of money out. I'm going to probably tomorrow at the end of the day I'll have. $1,300 cash on me, and that's it. And that's all the cash I got, other than the $25 in the bank account to keep it open. Well, the chances <laughs> you know, of the, sc- the stock market, the whole world crashing into chaos in the next three weeks are infinitesimally small. However, they, you know, the world has crashed into chaos in different uh, locales, and it, all that really matters is uh, within 100 miles of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it has happened in the past, so you know, I'm not going to tell you that that's not going to happen. I think it's a good idea to have uh, you know, the, the more direct control you have over your money, the better. I also think that if you're going to save something for more the long term, that you probably should uh, consider gold, silver. Con- investing in gold or silver. I do have silver. I buy silver um, once good. a month. I buy one coin. And I keep it in my house, but that's good. I'm telling you, I I think that don't you think if if things go crazy, like say for instance, just in case, you know, things go crazy, stock market crashes, things aren't giving out their money when people want to use their debit cards, they mm-hmm. don't work. People start freaking out, and there's a lot of people that own guns. I don't own one personally because I know personally I couldn't kill a person, but I'm pretty sure that I could talk a person and not to kill me. You know what I mean? I'm using my mind instead of my muscle because I have zero muscle. I'm just a little person. Yeah. And I'm really good at hiding. So, you know, I'm I, thinking, I try not to worry. You know, I try not to be too concerned about the, you know, this dire preparation situation. And it's because of a few factors. Number one, there's only so much damn food that you can uh, you can stock up on. So if things really do go to hell in a handcart and, uh, th- and it, all of a sudden the supply lines are, are messed up, the food has been pulled off the shelves at the, at the grocery store and there's, there's nothing left, uh, that's not really a, a world that I'm going to want to live in for very long. Well, it won't be that world for very long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know, it'll recover, but, to, but it's good to be prepared for a period of time. The point between... After the chaos and before the chaos, that point where the chaos is hidden and yeah. people are freaking out. I, I don't even want to say. Just Mark be able said it's stay in my house and be comfortable. Yeah, Mark said it, it's infinitesimal. I wouldn't even try to predict. I don't think it's likely, but I couldn't say it's unlikely either. I mean, I I do feel like it's a possibility sometime in the near future. Three weeks in the future, it seems really early, but I don't know if anything's happening in the next three weeks to make it seem like it's more likely to happen then. But I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff happening. People are really, really entrenched in government right now, and our government is doing some really crazy stuff, and it's been escalating for year, for decades. Um, well, it, I know so the I, I think that group controls it all, but I mean, well, I don't, I don't know what that means. In I, Europe and everybody I, else, yeah. taking the dollar standard off of it. Susie, I, I think that uh, the, the the statement statements like the Bilderberg Group controls it all, I think, are pretty presumptive. Uh, we, it's my understanding that the Bilderberg Group is a group of elites, you know, politicians and and you know, business muckety mucks that uh, that get together. And I'm sure they are very influential. But remember, there are competing uh, politicians and competing business interests that are around the world. 
so to say that they control it all, I think is, uh, you know, it's presumptive, and I think it's based on what some conspiracy theorists say, and I don't know if there's really any any fact there. Uh, it's just kind of something that people spout off, and I don't know if it's really true. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like you're doing all right. You you say you've got some preparation. You say you've got some food. You've got some water, and, uh, you know, t- you're taking some cash out of the bank. I would leave enough in my account to, to pay a few things if I needed to pay a few things there. I'd, I'd leave more than $25, but then again, you know, if, if you need what you... If you need the cash, you need the cash, and, and like Mark said, gold and silver is a good idea. You can get some of that at uh, gold.freetalklive.com, and I thank you for the call tonight. Good luck out there. I just, you know, I try not to be too concerned about that. I think no, that there's... You I, shouldn't be too concerned. I mean, right. I don't want to live my life in fear all the time exactly. about what could happen, but I do think, like, taking some basic precautions, because if there's an interruption in food supply just because of an economic, you know, speed bump, let's say, mm-hmm. not not like, not, not max... Uh, Ma- not Max, Max uh, Ma- Mad Max, Mad Max, Max not Henry. Mad Max. All of a sudden, an apocalypse. I'm just saying that if there is a speed bump because of the economy, then as I understand, it, there is the food would run out rel- relatively quickly for a period of time until things kind of stabilize back again. So I think it's not a bad idea to have food on hand for you know some I, stored food as you know in case you can't go to the grocery store. I think there's a fine line between uh, preparation for something like that and obsession. You right. Know? Well, it's a good idea to be prepared. It's a bad idea to be obsessed. Right. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Once you're prepared, you really shouldn't be thinking about or worrying about those things. There's not much you can do to stop it from happening. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Show's Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever you want, just dial this number, 800-259-9231, the number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. So enjoy those. Features like the wiki, over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki, W-I-K-I. .freetalklive.com wiki.freetalklive.com Now's the time for you and your family to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides just such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today plus the corresponding 30 state concealed weapons permit and get a free handgun. Go to frontsight.com today. That's frontsight.com All right, we continue with your phone calls, and we'll go to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Ah, Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, I was going to talk about the economy. In April and in uh, June, I mentioned that, you know, the dollar would collapse, and uh, by October would see the dollar being at least devalued uh, with the central banks, and probably in November through January, uh, we'll probably have a bank holiday where they'll shut the system down. And I'm just saying that I'm working according to schedule. Uh, after the G20 summit in Pittsburgh, the uh, uh, central banks decided that they'll, uh, they're going to let the dollar fall, and that's what's happening right now. They're not buying it up to stabilize the pricing. And I think we're going to see hyperinflation sometime next year, and uh, it isn't too... 
uh, unusual if one understands, you know, money and banking. Uh, this is uh, this should have happened a long time ago, but uh, it can't be postponed anymore. And it'll be the first time the U.S. dollar has been officially devalued since Richard M. Nixon took the U.S. off the gold standard. Has been officially devalued. Pardon me. When you say officially devalued, what do you mean? Because the dollar has been devaluing US, for a long US time. Devalued the currency, and the value of it fell because it, you know, wasn't backed by the gold. But what happened was this, the other central banks in the world, uh, you know, bought the dollars and kept it as the reserve currency. We don't have that luxury anymore. We're no longer the reserve currency. And that was the uh, consensus of the G20. So in a sense, hmm. my Cassandra uh, negative predictions have come true. And uh, I think we're going to see it even escalate faster as the bailouts continue to increase. I mean, I, I'm still amazed how $770 million, or bill, I'm sorry, $770 billion last September turned into $24.7 trillion and going and going and going. And in, the, in that time period with the recovery, we saw General Motors go into bankruptcy, certain divisions and assets sold. And, uh, you know, what we tend to do is we privatize the profits, and those go to the to the elite and to the uh, executive management. And then when the losses come, they take from the people. They uh, socialize the losses. And we're going to be now, since our bailout of last September, instead of every person owing thirty thousand dollars in future debt to the government, now we own about two hundred thousand dollars. Well, I don't owe anything to, to them the because I never entered into an agreement with them. So how could I be Nor expected? Did I. Well, Nor then you I, don't owe the point them. Is, the point is, this is our reality, and I think what's going to happen too well, holiday is that we're going to see the uh, gold confiscated by the federal government, by the Treasury Department. Like they did in 33? by Franklin Delano Roosevelt back in the Great Depression. It's a scary and, prediction, Frank. But my, I'm, my predictions have been accurate, and we're seeing the collapse of the dollar, and I believe, too, after the Dow hits... 10,000 or maybe 12,000, then it's going to drop, and it won't see that high in real terms, in real dollars for many, many years to come. I don't if we think... have hyperinflation, everyone will be a billionaire, just like in the Weimar <laughs> Republic. Yeah. Everyone was a billionaire. I don't think that uh, people will stand for gold confiscations, actually. They can't do anything time. about it, in a sense. Yeah, how are they going to not stand for it, Dale? Nothing. I mean, if they go into the banks and they open up people's safe deposits. No, no, no. They have every gold transaction the federal government, since gold was sold in the 1970s, uh, Except for numismatic, the government, so they have records of that. Oh, I, I was talking about numismatic. You're right. They may. I I wouldn't be surprised. If they, they could were also remember numismatic coins. The coin is actually owned by the treasury. It's not really owned by the person. So if they wanted to confiscate numismatic coins, they can do that. But that I means, have coins that, that, that are not owned, 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 owned by the treasury. They that and, you know that are sort of you know Swiss untraced. Uh, right. But I, I mean, this is this is sort of something. And no, to think not about. a new. No, I'm sorry. I don't even mean numismatic, but actually like in your hand gold that you keep. Like uh, not in a safe deposit box. No, no, but they have records of that. That all of the transactions since gold was available in the mid seventies to the American citizen, there are receipts and transactions for. I so hope if they... you want to buy and sell a piece of gold, you have to go through the paperwork. They have that. No, that, you don't. All in the Someone may database. have, but a lot of those people have sold have since sold that gold and they didn't keep paperwork. Yeah, but the point it. the point is the point is it's easier to confiscate now than it was in the Great Depression because the records are there. I hope they've Just got a metal detector and some, gold, some dogs. Ask some of the gold traders and the people that actually deal in 
not the gold futures, but the actual you so know Frank, bullion or the coins. Frank, do you think they're going to go house to house looking for gold, or that they're somehow going to pull? I mean, because a lot of people can buy and go, sell gold without doing paperwork. You don't need to no, do no, paperwork. No, 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 no. You have to do the paperwork. If I have a coin and I want to sell it, uh, uh, let's say a cougar or something, you have to go through the paperwork. I've, no, you don't. I've bought, no, you, don't. You, you don't have to, because I, I can tell you I've bought gold, and I won't do any paperwork to, to buy or sell it. Well, then, 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 then whoever is selling you the gold is in violation of the, the laws of the country regarding that. I won't okay. turn them in. Huh? Yeah, there are people, well, people are doing it is what I'm telling you. So you don't, and, and 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 in spades, and not just like in New Hampshire either. I mean, I know people all over the country are doing that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have walked into pawn shops and bought gold and paid cash. Absolutely. So, Frank, I don't know where that's coming from. I think it's probably the law. I'm going to tell you, if you buy gold, let's say if you want to buy uh, a double eagle or if you want to buy a cougarand or if you want to buy, let's say, a sovereign or whatever, uh, and you go to a, a, a licensed dealer to do the paperwork, and the government gets that. What, what kind of paperwork are you talking about? Just your name, name and address? address, the amount of gold, what was the price, what was the selling price, mm-hmm. and you know the tax on the transaction. Well, let me t- all, okay. Let's let's pay, presume you pay that a tax on the transaction. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not aware of that happening when I purchased. Maybe the tax has been built into the the price of the the gold, but uh, I've never actually well, seen I it. Well, I mean, before before you make generalizations, find out what I'm telling you is true, and that's been the way it's been. Well, since I, I'm going to presume what you're saying is by the American citizens in the 1970s. I'm going to presume what you're saying is true. But there's no obligation for me to deliver the gold to my home, so I can have the gold delivered to my private mailbox. And if they come to the private mailbox, then that's that's they don't know where I live. I think so, what we're trying to say is it, that may that may be the law. Well, let's look but at then, it this per, way. If you let me finish. That may be the law. By a firearm. You have to go through yeah. the, the the federal, and it's the same. Okay, no, I don't. Okay, listen. I that may be the law. Right. But if that's the case, the broad amount of ignorance about that law, people are breaking it left and right. That's what I'm telling you. Right. I bought a firearm. And so the chain person. has been broken. Someone way back bought it and did some paperwork, and then lots of people have bought and sold since then without it. Right. So there's a lot of untraceable gold out there. If the gold is confiscated, they have 30 years of records that you know can uh, uh, you know that, that will be there to support their claim. I think it's wrong if the government does that, but I have the feeling that China. And the uh, central banks in Europe and the different governments in the IMF is going to demand that uh, they get some gold. Uh, the, 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 the people holding the dollars or the bearer bonds of the Treasury Department are going to be paid, you know, somehow, and it may be eminent domain and it may be whatever. But the point is, uh, you know, we'll see. It's not an unlikely. It's not an unlikely situation. You guys laughed in April when I said I thought the dollar would collapse by the fall, and we're already seeing it. It isn't the reserve currency. Well, OPEC it hasn't collapsed at, at well, this point. Well, it is. Point. It is right now as we're talking. It's collapsing the dollar has, the world you can, markets. Well, it's going I, to get worse. I see I what you're saying, 10, Frank. 10 no. days to 14 days, there's going to be a lot of impotence with the government. And again, my, my big concern, what's accelerated this profoundly, the devaluation of the dollar, uh, is the fact that we have this endless bailout. And Why, why 10 to 14 days? Where does that number come from? We don't have time to get that. Okay. Thanks for the call, Frank. Appreciate hearing from you. Doom and gloom. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The dollar's been losing value for a long time, for decades upon decades. Since uh, 70, for sure. More I mean, is on huge the Huge drops since then. This is Free Talk Live. 
Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. We'll try to get to your call if you're on the line. Not going to give you the number. No point at this uh, this time. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we invite you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. We take the money in from the AMP program. It's all 3 bucks a month. That's all we're asking you for. We take that money and reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get access to perks. Access to things like the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com seven day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine. Experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven day challenge today at startpage.com. That's startpage.com. As we continue taking your phone calls, and we'll go to Nick's gone. Let's try Alex in New Hampshire on the amp line. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. (laughs) This is Frank in New York. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is really Alex in New Hampshire. That was cool. But um, so I went to this Young Americans for Liberty uh, meeting at UNH. Okay. And I was in there, and I was kind of, you know, I wanted to see what they were all about. And, uh, we now, this were is the Ron Paul group, right? Just just point of information. This is the uh, – was it Ron Paul uh, – wait, no. Ron Paul did the Campaign for Liberty. Is is Young Americans for Liberty also associated with Ron Paul? Yeah, he, I think he gave them a million dollars that they spread out all the chapters across the country. Got it. All right. But um, so, you know, they were talking uh, about Revolution Week, which is coming up in about two weeks. And mm. we were sitting around the table, and they wanted to put flyers in every UNH student's mailbox. And they needed a very iconoclastic message that they could put on it that uh, espouses the ideas of liberty. So I said, oh, here's a good idea. How about I do not support the troops and military men are paid killers? Oh, my God. And the entire room gasped. <laughs> <laughs> and I th- and it was iconoclastic for them. Yeah. And and uh, they started arguing with me, and they um, they said, "Oh, you know, that doesn't mean they're bad people. They're they're naive eighteen year olds. They can't be held responsible for their actions." And I Whoa. said, "Yes, they can. It doesn't matter. Uh, they voluntarily chose to sign up." And they said, "Yeah, but they were naive. They didn't know what they were getting into." You know, that doesn't we work in a criminal court. I can tell you that. Um, you know, if you're eighteen years old and you kill a man in uh, oh, you know heck. in this country, you're going to go to prison for a good portion of your life if Lately. you don't sit on the uh, in the electric chair so that that excuse doesn't hold water lately they don't even restrict it to 18 year olds anymore no. now they're trying to process if you do a violent enough crime they're prosecuting you as an adult in a lot of cases absolutely true i, I, I assert i met while in prison a 14 or 12 12 year old with a 25 year mandatory sentence and a 14 year old with a natural life sentence um so they'll absolutely do that i understood i'm just saying that we were talking about 18 year olds and 18 year olds yes yeah. and you know it's so hard to find good liberty-oriented groups on campus. Young Americans for Liberty is so distasteful to me now because they just jumped down my throat, and they they are so... It's like Republican in a way, the way that they honor the troops. I'm just so disgusted by it. 
It's well, a, it's liberty, politics, dude. Right. It's their well, it's their version of liberty. Their version of liberty is they get to have a big old military and uh, screw you if you don't want to pay for it. You know? Yeah, it's, there's nothing about liberty there. Liberty has to do with allowing other people to be free so you can also uh, be free. It's not about forcing people to paying for what your favorite government program happens to be. And you'd think somebody calling themselves liberty-oriented would have a clue uh, about these things. Uh, and I can understand your disappointment. Maybe they'd be with you on some other issues like, you know, maybe ending the drug war or something like that. And maybe you can work with them in those areas and, and perhaps persuade them eventually to understand what liberty really is is all about. I wouldn't necessarily give up on them immediately because, as you say, where else are you going to go? I mean, what other liberty-oriented groups are there on campus? Well, there's there's really nothing on campus. I mean, I go to Dover uh, every week for uh, La Festa. We, it's, it's like the meetup group for uh, people in the Free State Project. But, you know, it's, it's just so sad that there's really so, such a lack of principle here. Well, okay, I, I see where you're coming from, but <laughs> Alex, remember, you didn't think you were going to walk into uh, New Hampshire and that uh, everybody was going to be a principled uh, anarchist, did you? No, but okay. <laughs> also, Absolutely you're in college. Not. Get to work spreading the the, the message. I right. mean, you didn't think that you were going to come out with that icon- iconoclastic. You heard me go, <gasps> and and you know, I run a show and I've said the same things. It, it <laughs> that was a day. Let's bring everybody on board. Statement. Uh, Actually, I had a little orgasm when he said it. <laughs> Uh, we have a we have a ROTC program on campus too. So if I wore that, I brought that T-shirt with me, and I'm sure if I wore it, I'd probably get shot. Which T-shirt? I don't think you get shot. Uh, I do not support the troops. Ah, okay. Nah, yeah, hopefully, I, uh, hopefully you wouldn't get, end up getting shot. But remember, you're you're in college. These are kids, most of them that are just graduating from government schools. They're out fresh to the uh, the college world with a, a government school indoctrination, you know, fresh in their heads. And so you're probably one of three liber- true libertarians or, or voluntarist types that are actually on the campus. You happen to to come across the message earlier than you know than most people. When I was 18 years old and, and just getting into college, I certainly did not have the level of understanding of these things that you did. I don't know what my response would have been had you come into a place where I was. It in, wouldn't have been good if I if you like told it to me a few years ago. I can tell you that. So be patient with these people, Alex, and uh, and do your best to find the right resources to help bring these people to the place where they where you think they should should be be patient with them right now you little brat i don't know about that <laughs> that's uh, a joke ian gotcha so uh so yeah i think patience is important and i think that uh understanding is also important because while we all may have been born as uh as voluntarists uh we were indoctrinated into statism as we were growing up and so it's a it's a process to get people out of that. So instead of focusing on your frustration, maybe focus on uh, whatever different uh, creative ways you can to communicate to these folks uh, how it is that liberty is, uh, you know, that th- what they're talking about is as liberty is not in point of fact liberty hey, and that there is something else out there. Alex, I think it's good that you introduced the idea, even though it did re- receive that gasp, because I think that, that that's just it. People aren't going to accept it right away. But you've introduced a thought that has never before been there. Mm-hmm. And, and they will think on that. They, they might be they'll be angry about it and they'll talk to their friends about it and, and they'll they'll look for reinforcement and, and that, that it's not true because it bothers them. 
them and it makes them uncomfortable. So they'll go to their friends that believe the same way that they do right now and they'll look for reinforcement. No, no, no. Yes, you're right. You're right. He's totally ridiculous and this is why. But but you have you've planted a seed there. And later when new information is presented to them, they'll have something else to, to, to throw in the mix. Right. I'm I'm not going to back down um, on on anything that I say. Um, there, I'm not going to uh, bend. I'm not going to censor myself to to try and uh, make the group happy and be politically correct. I'm going to be very politically incorrect, and if they Good. don't like it, they can kick me out of the group. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, uh, liberty. You're at least you're dealing with people that uh, that claim to love liberty. So you know, start by asking them what they think liberty means. You know, what, is, what does liberty mean to you? Well, these people didn't respond in a fashion um, necessarily. What I heard from Alex, and I'm sure some of them did, but um, he, what I heard from him was that they were saying, well, they're just not responsible for their actions. They're dumb 18-year-olds, which it sounds like it was a group of 18, 19, 20-year-olds <laughs> who was saying this, which baffles me. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, I think that they weren't saying that the military, uh, you know, being over there is a good idea. Or that they Were they saying the, that? Alex? Well, they, uh, I don't know. They, they, they weren't really necessarily saying that, but they were saying that um, they can't be held accountable for their actions because they are naive. Well, I, I guess they're all for keeping disagreed. the drinking age at 21 and never, not lowering yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know that there's any point in holding the troops accountable for their actions any more than there's any point in holding any of the bureaucrats responsible for any of their actions because you're not going to uh, bring people on board by wanting to punish them. Oh, and yes, I've been wrong with coercing you with my... When I, uh, said, that, though, when I said that, they heard me say that uh, I said that they were bad people, but I never said that they were bad people. I said that they were paid killers. Why don't we use correct terms when we talk about things? Well said. Continue uh, updating us on your status there, Alex. I appreciate hearing yes, from you tonight. Thank you for your advice. Yes, sir. Uh, and let's go quickly, unscreen call on the amp line. Who's this? This is Matt from Illinois. Hey, Matt. You've got uh, 30-ish seconds. Go ahead. Some good news to end the show on. Uh, Falcon Keen from Colorado was found hiding in his attic. Who? Rather than on that balloon. Oh. He was a little six-year-old boy that was floating on, on, in a balloon in Denver. <laughs> it was, was scary. It was a scary story. Because his, dad, because his dad had yelled at him. Hmm. Uh, so why did they think that he got in a balloon and floated away? Did not someone not see that happen? His father yelled at him. Apparently, the kid ran into the attic and hid in a box, and the older brother said he saw him get into the balloon before he floated off. Was there ever a balloon in the first place? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, there was a balloon. They found the balloon. And he wasn't on board, and they were worried because people had said that they saw things falling out of it. Got it. Thanks for the update on that. I hadn't heard that. I thank you for the call tonight. We're out of time. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Okay, this is an extended uh, podcast interview edition of Free Talk Live, and normally when we do an interview, it's somebody who's on the phone with us. It's a lot easier, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, than having somebody come out to Keene, New Hampshire to do an interview, Just and it's not exactly in the interview circuit. Right, right, and uh, the person that we're going to be interviewing didn't exactly come out to Keene, New Hampshire in order to be interviewed. Uh, he was up here, uh, actually New Hampshire native, as I understand it. Uh, was up here on a, a vacation visiting and, well, made sense to come on by Keene because there's a lot going on here in Keene, a lot of activism, a lot of interesting stuff happening. And, of course, Free Talk Live is here, and uh, we have talked to him before yeah, on the we've, program. Yeah, uh, we've, and we've talked uh, to him and talked about him quite a bit. Um, Probably more about than two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's doing some really great activism, and uh, he's uh, – 
you know, uh, questioning the the sort of the roving patrols that the the uh, border patrols doing out there within a hundred miles of the border, and I, I I think more Americans need the courage that he has. Absolutely, his name is Terry. He is the head blogger, maybe the only one, over at CheckpointUSA.org, and he's the guy that we've played audio from in the past that has been so inspirational, I know, not just to me, but to a lot of other people around the country and probably around the world at this point. Inspirational in that he's all alone. He doesn't have any activists backing him up when he goes head-to-head with armed Border Patrol agents and other uh, police-type people. It's him, a camera, and a pair of brass ones. Pretty much. Uh, Terry, welcome to Free Talk Live. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to uh, to have you here in the studio, and thank you for taking the time out uh, from your family uh, to to you know sit here with us. Let's start at the beginning for our listeners that don't know who you are, for our listeners that haven't seen the videos at CheckpointUSA.org. They, first of all, should, as soon as they're finished listening to this interview, go to your website, link over to your YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button after they've watched some of the videos. You only have to watch one video to, to want to hit the subscribe button. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. What what happened? You came across these checkpoints, and you decided to stand up for yourself. How did you get to that point? Oh, sure. <clears throat> well, I've been pretty concerned about the uh, ever-encroaching uh, uh, government into our individual lives for uh, for quite a while. And I've made uh, various personal stands on other issues uh, for, you know, for, for decades here and been fairly su- uh, successful. But one, uh, one area of uh, great interest to me has been uh, the individual right to travel. Mm-hmm. And as you uh, well know, at uh, pretty much every uh, step of the way, the government is uh, steadily encroaching upon that right. And sure. It doesn't matter what uh, vehicle or mode of transportation that you try to use these days, the government is, is involved um, sticking its head into your right to travel, be it a bus, train, plane, personal vehicles, uh, whatever, walking down the street. Um, <clears throat> so with regards to... A uh, specific interest in checkpoints, what got me interested in that is that uh, I've been working for quite a few years, uh, about 17 now, uh, in southern Arizona at the, the University of Arizona. And I do a lot of work up on the Kitt Peak uh, National Observatory, where we have uh, several telescopes that we use to scan the night sky for asteroids and comets. We do surveying work, look for objects that may be a hazard. Um, Neat. Yeah, it's a great place to look too. Um, if you, uh, <laughs> it's 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 kind of high, and you're away from the ambient light and the altitude and the the clear dry skies and all that stuff make it just so the observations are you know it's great. There's a reason they built it there. Yes, gotcha. <laughs> exactly. And uh, uh, the observatory is about uh, 53 miles outside of town to uh, to the southwest, and it takes you along uh, some deserted stretches of of the of the desert. But there's uh, various uh, uh, small communities that are kind of uh, located along along the drive there, and over the years, especially after 2001, I saw a steady buildup of law enforcement uh, in the area. In fact, on some days, there was more law enforcement vehicles from any number of different agencies driving along that road than than uh, uh, than re- uh, regular folks. Mm. And so I knew uh, things were building up, and um, I knew that um, there were going to be some issues with regards to the right to travel that I would be experiencing. Within the, the, you know, it was around 2002, 2001, 2002 that I was seeing the buildup. And my first experience at a checkpoint occurred on December 20th of 2002. I was driving home uh, late from work after doing some engineering work up on the mountain. And I'm um, coming around a, uh, a bend in the road with a mi- about a mile stretch in front of me straight away. And uh, the road was uh, lit up like a Christmas tree. 
And at first, I was thinking maybe it was just a um, an accident. It was uh, frequent accidents along the road, and and it uh, uh, brings in a lot of attention. Now, out there in rural uh, um, Arizona, it could very well have been an alien landing too. <laughs> Uh, we haven't actually seen any of those on the observatory yet, but uh, <laughs> thank you for letting our listeners know. Sure. They wanted to know, I can assure you. Um, as it got closer, it became very apparent that it wasn't an accident. Uh, uh, it was law enforcement uh, from three different agencies that I could uh, uh, detect immediately, and that was the tribal police because the uh, Kitt Peak National Observatory is actually on the Tohono O'odham uh, Indian Reservation. Uh, but the road that I drive along is a state right-of-way that the, uh, um, that the uh, nation granted to the uh, state of Arizona. And um, as I was uh, driving along, I could see that there were tribal police were working very closely with uh, federal, uh, federal agents. There were, uh, this was prior to the passage of the Homeland Security Act, so U.S. Customs and the Border Patrol hadn't been merged into the same agency, which is now known as Customs and Border Protection. Mm-hmm. So at the time, they were separate. U.S. Customs looks for looks for illegal things entering the uh, country, whereas U.S. Border Patrol looks for illegal or uh, individuals crossing the border illegally, not at port, ports of entry, that sort of thing. And both of these organizations were present with the tribal police. So I immediately uh, had red flags go up in my mind. I was pretty cognizant of several U.S. Supreme Court rulings that had come out with regards to what types of checkpoints could be legally conducted and under what circumstances. And for the mere presence of federal agents in force uh, at uh, what should have been a local operation was a, an immediate red flag. You know, it, it, ignoring the fact that, you know, police stopping you at a checkpoint for any reason, from, uh, from my perspective, is, uh, is uh, not the right thing to do. But this was very clearly outside of the, uh, the norm. And so I had a number of questions that entered my mind as I came up on the checkpoint, and I was concerned about my safety, so I called a coworker on a cell phone as I was arriving mm-hmm. uh, to make sure they knew where I was and what I was about to encounter. So as I came up on it and was stopped, I was stopped by a tribal police officer, and I asked him, well, what's going on here? He said, well, this is a sobriety checkpoint. We're, we're looking for drunk drivers, and um, we're checking um, um, documentation, uh, that sort of thing. And I, I asked him, you have any reason to believe that if I've done anything wrong? And he said, uh, no, but everyone's being asked the same questions, being treated the same. You know, uh, you just need to identify yourself and, uh, and you can go on your way. I, I indicated I had real problems with uh, what was going on, given the fact there, there, that there was a U.S. Customs agent just working the next car ahead of me. And U.S. Customs has nothing to do with local sorority laws or driver's licenses or anything else. So. Um, I asked a couple of questions. They didn't like my questions. And uh, <laughs> Oh, no, no. We asked the questions, <laughs> not you, Terry. Right. Exactly. And um, as the conversation went on, the number of law enforcement agents around my vehicle steadily increased. Yeah, they really hate it. They really hate that you don't just comply, and they will try to scare you with just their numbers. I had the same thing happen to me in an airport one time, just Mm -hmm. basically asking questions about their little little TSA, you know, uh, checkpoint thing that they're doing there. They surrounded me with uh, probably seven uh, cops and a dog. It was crazy. Yes, it's, uh, they, they do try to overwhelm and intimidate you with their mere presence. And just to make a long story short, uh, you know, I asked if I was being detained. The officer in charge said, no, you, you weren't. So I said, great, I'd like to go on my way. See you later. I'd like to go on my way. And at this stage, uh, all the officers put their hands on their guns, and one yelled, you know, I've had enough of this, you know, stuff, yeah. using more colorful language, and, uh, you know, get out of the vehicle now. So I realized that things weren't really working out on the uh, diplomacy uh, aspect of things. So um, I put my hands out in clear view where they could see them and just, uh, I, and just uh, sat perfectly still. And uh, they uh, reached into the vehicle, you know, unlocked it, uh, took my seatbelt off, uh, yanked me out of the vehicle, laid me down on the ground, 
handcuffed me and dragged me off to the side of the street. Wow. So was that the first time you'd ever been treated that way by uh, police agents? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I've, I've always been cognizant of my rights and I've always tried to make a stand, um, when I felt strongly about an issue. And this was the first time where any sort of physical altercation had, uh, had taken place. So mm. I was somewhat surprised that it had elevated to this particular stage. So what happened after they <clears throat> put you on the ground? So after they put me on the ground, um, I, I sat on the side of the road for about 45 minutes or so, much to their chagrin later because it gave me a good 45 minutes to, uh, um, watch what was going on. And during that time frame, they were violating every um, everything the U.S. Supreme Court said that you can't do at a checkpoint. <laughs> uh, they were, um, first of all, they're supposed to have a set pattern. They either stop all vehicles or they stop every third vehicle or every fifth. So they're, they're not, there's no on-scene. The individual uh, agents don't have any um, decision-making. Uh, so they can't say randomly, well, I don't like the way that guy looks. I'm mm. going to stop him, but I'm going to let the next side guy go. Well, it has to be. They could just as easily go one, two, four. That's you. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yes. But the, the idea is that it's supposed to be equal, uh, equal tyranny to all as opposed to random tyranny to, to some um, is, I think, the philosophy that they're trying to uh, follow there. But they weren't doing that. They were stopping indiscriminately some vehicles. They would stop, like, three vehicles in a row and then allow, like, ten to go through. And, and they're changing the pattern all the time. So they were picking and choosing who they were stopping. They're also doing trunk searches. So if they were actually looking for drunk drivers, you don't need to look in a trunk right. to yes. determine whether or not the driver is. Do you have a, are you driving drunk from your trunk? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And they were checking license plate numbers, doing document checks, um, doing the, the whole nine yards. It was general law enforcement dragnet operation, and clearly outside yep. of the boundaries of uh, uh, court, uh, court, court rulings. And, well, uh, it's not like they've read those rulings <laughs> or care about what they say. <laughs> exactly. Nor does the court really care that they don't care. Right, right. <laughs> uh, as I've learned uh, over the years uh, yeah. uh, since then. Um, we, we've all on this show, I mean, we've been through this process of uh, getting rid of the delusions that we've had about the system and right. how, you know, oh, they're supposed to be following all these rules. Well, it turns out that they just do whatever they want. And then if they get caught red-handed at it, well, they'll try to brush it under the rug as best they possibly you, can and continue doing whatever right. they you're, want. You're, you're you're deluded when you go through school and and you sort of the the media and 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 you know the government education deludes you that somehow the 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 judicial system keeps in check this executive branch that that that's what it's there for and that's what it's doing. Don't worry, there's there's case after case of where they uh you know they they put the the executive branch in check. However. By and large, when they do check the executive branch, they still um, authorize a great deal of new tyranny in the checking of the executive branch. Because what the executive branch will do is take ten steps forward, and they force them to take one or two back. Sure. So they'll have taken yeah. uh, have increased up eight steps. Right. So then they finally let you out that day after waiting on the side of the road for you know, a while? It's a little convoluted, but um, initially they said, well, look, um, after about 45 minutes or so, uh, the detective who I'd interacted with, who actually admitted that he could tell I hadn't been drunk, uh, 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 drinking while I was in the vehicle, but he went on to say that because the area was known for a lot of illegal um, uh, trafficking, that everyone had to be identified. So right there, you know, he, he had admitted to me that it was an illegal operation. Mm-hmm. Um, he came over and said, look, uh, I'm going to write you up a, a traffic, viol- uh, traffic violation form here, and you have the option of signing it and going on your way or not signing it and uh, going down to be processed and held in jail o- <laughs> over the weekend. 
And this was the uh, December 20th. We're, you know, getting oh, off for the holiday weekend. I had plans with my uh, significant other to... You, uh, you might have uh, got out by right, January right, right. 5th. So, but I initially refused to uh, to sign. So they said, okay, uh, fine, we're going to take you down and, and process you, and you can tell it to the judge on Monday. And uh, But they said, we don't have the manpower right now to actually transport you, so you're going to have to stick around here for several hours. <laughs> I'm going to sit you in the sun here with a, <laughs> with some zip ties on your wrists. Good well, Lord. It, it was actually uh, at night, so it was like 5 o'clock when I first arrived. Yeah. But um, five in the morning, uh, five at, at in, in the, the evening. evening. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So um, during that time frame, um, they realized that they had a kind of a different scenario going on with me before because I hadn't really run into this type of thing uh, before. And I had provided them with the name of my supervisor uh, so they could uh, call and let them know where, you know, why I wasn't going to be uh, back uh, mm-hmm. at, 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 uh, at work on time. So um, while they were talking to my supervisor, uh, uh, they agreed to allow a couple coworkers uh, to come down and retrieve the vehicle that I was driving at the time because uh, it was a, a university vehicle and to maybe talk it over with me, see if they could uh, change my mind with regards to signing the uh, citation. So several hours later, they actually get out there and observe several things with the checkpoint as they were uh, being uh, waved in. And I talked with them. I talked it over with them for a bit, and they convinced me that you know the best course of action would probably be to go ahead and sign, and uh, that would give me some time to start prepping for a defense and that sort of thing. So I went ahead and signed. And before I left, I asked permission to go around and write down the uh, license plate numbers of all the uh, law enforcement vehicles present. And they said, "Sure, go ahead." So I did, and I wrote down more federal agent uh, uh, license numbers mm-hmm. than than local. And all of this, uh, I was prepping for I, what I knew was going to be a court battle because I had no intention of just you know you know. Um, pleading guilty or or, right. or 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 anything else. So I was gathering together information and did so, and uh, and then we drove away from the scene. Now the court situation <clears throat> that resulted from this was that the one that resolved recently. <laughs> I've had several court uh, interactions, all of which have uh, ultimately come down in favor uh, for me. I've had several interactions with the border patrol, with the tribal police again. Minus the fact that you had to spend all your time and right. effort on this. Right. Whenever you win a court case, you don't ever win because they've sucked away your, your yeah. freedom. Well, I'll tell you what. That certainly sounds like a a, a very impressive record you've got. That's what, true. What's it cost? Has what has it cost? Well, um, I've been very lucky to have some very uh, uh, upstanding attorneys uh, that uh, are cognizant of the uh, civil liberties issues. And, yeah, that's lucky, all right. Yes, and they're very willing to, to help out. I Over the uh, past seven years, I've easily uh, uh, put out probably around $12,000 for my own pocket. Wow. You know, that's, it's a lot of money for the, just the average individual. If, if your option is to tell the police officer your name, where you were born, and your Social Security number, or whatever it is that the... Uh, the 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 little the lackey wants or to to dish out twelve thousand dollars the average person um is going to tell them their name so that they can go on so sure. i mean that in and of itself just shows the sacrifice in time and money that you're yeah you know you you put up i'm i'm amazed by what i've just heard well can you boil down i don't know how many cases there have been but can you kind of boil down what the results have been and how they've been favorable sure um well uh with regards to uh, the case, the incident I was just talking about, uh, first what I had to do is I had to defend myself uh, against the charges, and that took a year. And I, had to f- I hired an attorney up in Phoenix, Mark Victor, maybe some of you may have heard of him. He's a well-respected uh, um, bulldog uh, defense attorney up there with uh, libertarian-leaning uh, principles, and he was highly recommended when I, when I asked. Um, it took a year uh, to go through the court system uh, with that, and we won. Uh, the uh, the judge. This federal up. court or Arizona? This, this was Arizona um, um, a justice court. 
Okay. Okay. And this actually gets into some of the other things because when I tra- after I uh, after I, I I had the charges uh, dismissed with prejudice, I turned around a week later and I filed a civil lawsuit, and we wanted to do it in the Arizona Superior Court because even though the tribal police are considered um, sovereign and there's some federal interactions there, they had charged me with violations of state law. So due process says if they charge me with violations of state law, I should be able to hold them accountable in, in the state court system. Sounds that way to me. Yeah. But that's not the way it worked out. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, I, I defended myself successfully. Oh, I hate them. And uh, we turned around and filed the lawsuit. They turned around and said, well, wait a second. Because we're actually contracted with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, we can be considered federal employees. And these are tort claims that I was making. So uh, federal employees have to be sued in federal court. And they had the uh, case with the help of the U.S. Attorney's Office. They had the case uh, removed, remanded from the uh, Arizona Superior Court to the federal court. Once we got to the federal court, they turned around and said, well, well, we may be in federal employees for purposes of tort claims, but we're also tribal police. And as tribal police, we enjoy sovereign immunity and can't be sued in the federal court uh, uh, system. So that took four years to resolve that particular issue. We argued that for four years. It sounds short, honestly. Four years for uh, this, this, this convoluted case. I, I, you know, honestly, well, 14 wouldn't have surprised me. Um, when I say it took four years to resolve that issue, it, it was resolved at the district court by the judge throwing out my claims against the police, saying that I didn't have any recourse within the federal court system. We didn't agree with that decision, so we turned around and we appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And this is the case that you've probably recently heard about. Okay. Um, we went to uh, argue the case in front of a three-judge panel in November 20th of 2008. And um, the decision came down uh, in August, August 4th of this year. And the three-judge panel reversed uh, mostly the district court decision and said that, yes, indeed, because the roadblock took place on a state highway, a right-of-way, um, and they were exercising state powers cross-certified to enforce state law, that they can indeed be held accountable under the state and the federal uh, constitution. So at this stage, we're back in the district court. And they just so that doesn't mean that they will be held accountable. It's just that they were saying that they could be held accountable. Exactly. So now you, district court, have to hear this case exactly. is basically what they said. Exactly. Yes. And that's taken – that stems from the original incident that from happened December to December of 2002. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, so we are, we are on the path to 14 years. Yes. Right, right. Okay, so, good. so it's taken then this things, long. Then my world right. hasn't been turned <laughs> up down, upside down because the, the idea that this, that this weird case that you're talking about has been desi- decided in four years really just threw me yeah. for a loop. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I mean, I've heard the justice is swift, but four years? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. So now, after all of this time and going up to the Ninth Circuit Court, now you finally will get your case heard by the district court, and yes. that's a federal district court. Right. District Court, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you'll post updates about that at CheckpointUSA.org as the uh, the case develops. I certainly will. So you have gone up to these checkpoints. Obviously, the first time you went through, it was a pretty traumatic experience being detained and, and, and all of that and arrested, uh, resulting in all those court cases. You, at some point, decided to arm up yes. with a video camera. Exactly. At what point was that? Well, um, I learned fairly quickly during the defense, uh, various defense hearings, that the police have no qualms with perjuring themselves uh, in court. That's and, it. Turn off lying. the microphones. I won't hear any more of this. <laughs> 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 P- police lying? 
So um, that made me realize that, you know, gee, first of all, uh, these checkpoints aren't going to go away anytime soon, probably, and the buildup is continuing. So it would behoove me to have various uh, types of recording gear on my person. So the next time I have such an encounter, there won't be any question with regards to what happened. There won't be any lying. It won't be my word against theirs, and the court will invariably take their word unless you have overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. So, even then, even then, <laughs> even then, uh, I, I'm skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I bought my first digital camera, and ever since then, I've, I've continued to expand my, um, uh, my audio, my audio recording capabilities. Now, you were talking about the right to travel, and I'm a little skeptical about the, light, the right to travel and its yeah. existence. However, what I am do find uh, to be the, the most, uh, I guess, prescient uh, point here is that, in fact, they're just breaking their laws at every single Turn. They're, they, you know, they hold you. They don't have any. They don't have any right to set this, uh, this, this checkpoint up. They'll detain you. You ask them if you're being detained. They say no. You say if you, you ask if you're free to go. They'll say no. Then, well, wh- what the heck is happening here? I'm either detained or I'm under arrest. If you know, and both of these have, uh, you know, due process. What's the due process? And of course, the the person that barely skittered out of high school there, um, that uh, you know, that's got the badge and doing the frontline stuff. They don't have a clue. They're just told. Do it, and if they if they uh, give you any lip, taser them. And uh, you know, I so I mean, to me, that's that that's the part that uh, infuriates me the most. Sure, um, I think you're talking now. Uh, uh, since that initial in- uh, incident there, the border patrol has set up shop uh, basically a mile from my from the original roadblock from the 2002. And they're actually off, uh, just off the reservation. In fact, I think there's been a falling out between the uh, the tribe and the border patrol because the border patrol harasses uh, the tribal members on a pretty regular. I'm sure basis. they do. Isn't this the same tribe that's sort of right on the border? Yes. In and fact, they're, they're actually they're, they're the border actually cuts into their uh, historic. It's okay. very very yes. interesting. Yes, it is. It is. Um, but so anyway, the Border Patrol has set up a shop along that uh, highway, and I think I had my first checkpoint encounter with the Border Patrol in 2005. That video used to be up on YouTube, but YouTube uh, removed it for unknown oh, reasons. Um, but because um, they love liberty, yeah, because they lo- love liberty. But they haven't <laughs> removed all my videos, and and I think they they were basically responding to pressure from individual agents who uh, who called and complained. Mm-hmm. But you know, YouTube is a private entity, and uh, they shouldn't be falling towards uh, uh, from pressure from uh, from uh, agents who have an obligation to the, to the public. That no, they, they shouldn't. Serve. But people are scared, sure. and and that's mm-hmm. something that I want to address here in a moment. Is is this fear factor and the yeah. uh, the obedience of most Americans? And of course, it's one of the reasons why you're so outstanding, Terry, is because well, you're willing to say no, and most Americans aren't. And that's kind of one of, one of the places I wanted to go to. I mean, we could talk more about the videos, but we've talked about them in the past, and people can go and see them sure. at CheckpointUSA.org. Mm-hmm. But we were out yesterday. Uh, you'd come to Keene yesterday, and we had uh, some of the activists from the area had come to meet you, and uh, we all were having some you know, breakfast over at Panera. And you have a family, so it's not like you're... Just Terry, this lone guy that has nothing to lose. Sure, no, uh, no shortage of crazy libertarian single guys out there, right? Right, right. <laughs> uh, you've got a, at least a, what seems to be a significant other and a, a, a young child. Yes. Um, so, I see a ring on that finger. Right, so how is it that you can justify this when a lot of people will say to themselves, boy, I really like what Terry does, but I've got a family, and I can't put my family at risk like that. 
I mean, I they could put me in a jail cell. I could disappear, you know, federal charges. I, who knows when I'll come back? Uh, they might hurt me. I might not be able to, prov- you know, they might beat me. Uh, I might not be able to provide for my family after this. I would love to say no. I would love to ask the questions that Terry asks. You know, what can you say to somebody like that? How, how do you justify doing what you do and being as disobedient and questioning toward these uh, these people? If, if you can even call them that, they're, they're awful what they're doing to folks. But how, how can you do that with the family at home. Sure. Well, uh, you know, to be fair, when I first uh, started this, I wasn't married and I didn't have uh, I didn't have a, a child. So um, I had a little bit more personal leeway, I felt, with regards to taking more risks uh, okay. at that time. And I was willing to do it. And, you know, partly you, you never know the outcome of anything that, that, that you start. But I, I felt fairly com- very confident with regards to my stance. I felt very confident with regards to my legal analysis. I try to be very thorough w- before I, I take any actions like this. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I research uh, the laws, the w- what's the current state of how the courts interpret a, a lot of these things. So I make sure I have a very fundamentally a strong base, a legal base uh, to to work from before I decide to take a particular action uh, like this. And given that, and to also be fair, um, there are a lot of good um, libertarian uh, activists in the Tucson area and up in Phoenix. You're probably uh, familiar with Ernie Hancock. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've heard the name. He <laughs> <laughs> just had him uh, on recently. Didn't yeah, he, he was, uh, I think, two days ago. He's He's been very supportive of my efforts and uh, has helped to make sure that the public in the area knows about what's going on. And I think whenever you do or plan something like this, you have to, take, you have to look at it from two aspects. You have to look at the court uh, public opinion, so you have to be very outspoken mm-hmm. in public and be able to get the information out there and have other people help you get the information out there. Um, and you have to be able to make a stand in, the, uh, in, in a real court of law. And I try to, uh, to the best of my ability, approach, uh, 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 deal with both of those aspects of any sort of activism that I engage in. Um, I've been active in the Pima County Libertarian Party down there. They've been very supportive. And uh, one of the uh, attorneys on my current uh, lawsuit uh, was the uh, former chairman of the uh, county. He was just getting up, just passed his bar exam when this uh, initial incident came up. Mm-hmm. And he stuck with the case. Uh, most of it, he's done a lot of pro bono work. Okay, and great. And um, without him, uh, the the uh, loss we, w- we would have never made it to the Ninth Circuit. Well, that's good to know. So, as far as your your wife is concerned, she came into this knowing what you are already doing, right? Right. She kinda, right. I I, she was I never hid uh, any <laughs> of my uh, you know my philosophy or uh, my activism from her, and I I I try to make it very clear, you know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, and take as many precautions as I can uh, during the process. On this show, we talk about, I, I, I love uh, civil disobedience. I think personally it's a very uh, powerful form of activism, and it's something that gets people talking. It gets issues out there unlike anything else. I mean, you could go and lobby the legislature and go through their system and do what they suggest you do and get very little return on your investment. But for, you know, one of for, for one guy to go through a checkpoint with a video camera and put that uh, video up on YouTube, I think you can have a much bigger impact on that court of public opinion. I agree uh, that, that it's important. About. However, I, I think that the other thing that uh, Terry's doing is that he's following it up with, uh, uh, you know, legal action. He's, sure, he's, sure. He's, he's collecting evidence and using the, the courts. I understand that that's it's certainly what he just pointed out anyway i was talking about civil disobedience and we talk about it a lot on this show and one of the things i encourage people to do is just you know dip, dip their toes in the water you, you don't have to jump in uh all the way to be completely non-cooperative on everything that the government is demanding of you but if do you agree with with this terry that if 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 a lot of americans did a little bit 
of disobedience slash non-cooperation, wouldn't that go a long way towards stopping the government dead in its tracks from getting away with some of the things it does? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. The, the, the biggest problem we have is overcoming the public inertia of, of not being willing to uh, confront government wrongdoing at, at whatever level. And it's just because most people don't feel confident or don't have the knowledge base or or haven't been brought up in such a way as to, you know, think it's it's reasonable or or patriotic or American to challenge um, authority. And that and that mindset has to change if we're going to create a better society. And thank goodness there are people like you out there showing how you can do it on a fairly simple basis. I mean, when you go to one of these checkpoints, they are asking you usually you know, for your citizenship, and you mm-hmm. never answer the question. You always bat them right back with another question about, well, am I being detained or am I free to go? Are those two key questions that you'd recommend that anybody utilize anytime they they encounter the police? Most definitely. You know, when you're usually when you're encountering the police and you haven't initiated the encounter, um, they're not there to be your buddies or your friends. <laughs> they're there to investigate you and to, to do harm to you in some way, legally, financially, uh, per, personally, right. um, uh, if they can find um, a, a reason to do so. So it's in your best interest to not cooperate, and you have a fundamental right not to cooperate. You do not have to answer questions from the police, especially investigatory questions. And whenever you're stopped at a checkpoint, they are investigating you. They're not, you know, looking, you know, they're looking for drugs and whatnot, but they're presuming that you're the drug, you're a drug dealer, you're a drug trafficker, you're doing, you're doing some bad thing, or in their mind, some, some bad thing, and they're mm-hmm. investigating you. So you need to remember that, and you're not helping anybody by cooperating with their questions. Your cooperation and your obedience allows them to take that next step. You were talking yes. earlier about how you saw the buildup and it kept building up and it kept you knew that it was coming that uh, and we've seen certainly in the airports how things just keep on, you know, they keep generating new rules and new demands and you know this and that uh and and it it keeps happening like that because very few people, I mean you've got to be 1% of 1%. Very few people yeah. will will say no, I'm not going to answer your questions or come back with more questions back to them or, you know, take this kind of non-cooperative stance. It's the, it's the obedience that has allowed them to get this far. When they make one rule and everybody follows it, then that paves the way for the next rule. And soon you've got thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of rules, and it's to the point where it's impossible for anyone to know what the law is. Nobody can know. Not even they know what their own laws say. So it's just, uh, I'm glad that you agree with that, because I think that it needs to be encouraged. But the one of the, I think the trickiest part is the encouraging and getting people to take that first step into the world of non-cooperation especially when they feel like they're all alone and there's nobody else out there that has their back, which is, I think, where the Free State Project is really going to come into uh, to play to help people build that confidence level that they need. Here in New Hampshire, there's something that uh, will go on occasionally called uh, Pimp My Activism, and it, it's, a, it's about practicing interactions with police and kind of getting into uh, to practice about understanding what to do in these high-pressure situations. It's not easy. I mean, these guys are trained to intimidate. They're trained to be uh, frightening, and you know, you you don't want to end up in a cage. So there's all kinds of reasons why you should just go along to get along. But in the long run, if people just go along to get along, then we'll just get what we've gotten, and that is more and more tyranny, consistently more oppression. Sure, I agree. Completely. So my question, of course, it then is, uh, when are you coming back to New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great area. And uh, I You're, grew up. You were a native here, right? <laughs> I, I grew up uh, in Maine and New Hampshire. Okay. And uh, so I'm familiar with the seacoast area. I haven't spent nearly as much time uh, further inland. Um, but living out in the Southwest, you know, uh, uh, distances have really uh, morphed for me. You know, uh, going 60 to 80 miles inland is it seems like nothing uh, uh, these days. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, I, I currently have a life out in uh, southern Arizona, and uh, but the economy is ever shifting, and uh, I don't uh, project it getting much uh, better in the near future. And if opportunities uh, present themselves, I may find myself back uh, in the uh, in the seacoast area sometime. Was was now was yesterday the first day you really got to meet up with some of the the free staters, some of the liberty activists here in, in New Hampshire? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that group? I mean, it was a group of what about ten or twelve people maybe that came out to have some breakfast with you. I mean, what were your what were your impressions? Oh, I thought it was uh, it was great that like minded people were coming together and uh, voluntarily interacting with one another for for common goals. And I think a lot more of that has to happen. I was also impressed by the you know there seemed to be a large uh, variation in age and uh, and um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So it was a it was a mixed group of folks and uh, everyone you know having a, a common. Uh, uh, you know, uh, not you know completely uh, common, but uh, a common uh, ideals that they wanted to voluntarily work towards uh, together. And one that, of one of the reasons I came here from Florida, we were talking about this off the air. That I'm a Florida native, Mark is as well. Uh, one of the reasons I came here is because down there, you mentioned you're involved with the the Pima County Libertarian Party out in Arizona. I was involved in the Sarasota Libertarian Party, and it seemed like I was kind of the uh, the go-getter of the the group, I was the one organizing all the volunteering or the, the you know the outreach projects and things like that, and it was like pulling teeth to try to get people to you know show up at a, a booth and and operate it and and work to actually do outreach to people. It wasn't an easy process. Here at the drop of the hat, you can have a dozen people turn out just for a social event uh, on very very short notice. Sure. Uh, I don't know when that event was posted at, over at the freekeen.com forum, but it wasn't long before you'd arrived here uh, in New Hampshire, and you saw the amount of people that turned yeah. out in the middle of the business day uh, to you know come out and meet you. And it's that level of participation that, for me, I've never experienced before. I don't know what it's like out in out in Arizona. I know that Ernie Hancock's group is great, and they're really you know Johnny on the spot one, probably one of the most active groups in the in the country. Yeah. So maybe it's not a, a real good comparison, but. Just being around people who are willing to actually do something for liberty and they don't have to be, you know, have their arm twisted in order to do it is really just a big, uh, a real, a great experience for me. Sure. You know, I, I look at the um, uh, Libertarian Party as more, it's, it's, it's a vehicle to, to get certain viewpoints out into the public and picked up by mainstream media. Uh, nowadays, there are other mechanisms for getting uh, viewpoints uh, out there that don't involve the mainstream media. But from the perspective of it, just injecting certain ideas, Libertarian Party is decent for that. In terms of you know raw activism, getting out there, not so good. But you have groups like Ernie Hancock that are out there and do do a great job of uh, getting out on the streets and doing uh, the hands-on type of stuff that that needs to be done. All right, um, Mark. Do you have any other questions for Terry while we have him here? That'll do it. Uh, we pretty much got we pretty much got to do the show now. But Terry, I'm I'm really impressed. Um, and I thanks for coming out and doing the interview. Well, thank you for having T- me, Terry. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Uh, no, just uh, my website's checkpointusa.org, and uh, please check it out and uh, provide feedback and suggestions. And uh, I'm hoping to expand its scope and uh, and usefulness in uh, in the near future. Great. Definitely get over to CheckpointUSA.org, take a look at his videos, and hopefully it will inspire you to also do something similar or non-cooperate in some different way. Because if more people do this, then the, the advance of tyranny will stop. Yes. But it's up to you. Thanks, Terry. Thank you.
This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.